fascinating, interesting debate show is live yeah. in the huddle. Let's do this. Welcome to episode 203 in the huddle. Can you dig Sports Radio Network? My name is Zach Kroll, along with my guy, The Real Lil, and we are here talking sports, the most fascinating, the most interesting, the most polarizing topics in all of sports. And wow, when I say we have a loaded show, we have a loaded show for you guys today. It is a crazy, crazy crazy show with a ton of topics so many things have happened over the past day in the nfl let alone over the past 72 hours in the nfl we have so much to get to coaches are being fired left and right we have a question we're going to throw on the table when it comes to head coaches we have a few correspondents that are going to be joining us for the full show that we're going to introduce in a second and we have a full slate of playoff games to predict uh, to predict and preview including the first ever monday night football game in the playoffs in the history of the nfl plus a triple header sunday double header on saturday it's gonna be a hell of a weekend here uh in the nfl with the playoffs but will i'm happy to be here with you guy i'm happy to be here with you uh my guy we have a loaded show always good talking football what's going on listen man wow Words can't explain how a brother is feeling right now. I feel like back in the day where I was up at that Toys R Us up in Manhattan, boy, Times Square. That's what I feel like, a kid at the toy store. Because of talking football, playoffs all arriving, it's here. We're ready to go and dive into these games. And we also got trendy topics. Whether it be a game, there's always some things going on, gossip, talk, whatever, that, man, I'm just ready to get this show on the road, bro. It's... The first time in a long time, number one, that you and Zay has been on the same mic before. Um, it's been a minute and another minute that we haven't had a four-man rotation. This is a four-man huddle today, and that speaks volume to our system of in the huddle. You never know what you're going to get on in the huddle. You can get me and Zach sometimes doing it by, by ourselves. You can get Coach. You can get Fred. You can get Zay. Listen, we have so many lineups so many willing guys and so many correspondents of volume to what we have going on here. And, man, I can't wait to begin. All right. Well, you want to introduce our other guest joining us. Everyone knows yes, our guy, Zay. You know, we'll, we'll throw the mic over to Zay in a second. But we ha- we're not alone. We have a fourth member joining us here in the huddle. What, introduce him for us. Yes, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, if you miss Friday's show or Can You Date Sports, I don't know where you've been, brother. But you missed a good show. But... I got the brother who was on that show back in the huddle today, and he's with me, and he's live, and he's ready to go, and he's feeling good and looking good. James, how you doing, man? James Finnessy, how you doing? <laughs> What's going on, boys? Glad to be back. How's everybody doing? James, doing man. great. Hyped to be here. <laughs> well, first of all, it's nice, to, it's, okay. nice, it's nice to meet you, uh, Zay and, uh, and Zach. It's nice to meet you guys, but uh, I'll say in advance, no hard feelings. I said it last week. No hard feelings with where we're going today, but I'm ready to go whenever you boys are. It's good to be back. You ready for all the smoke, Zach? You ready for it? <laughs> <laughs> Let the debate right. begin. Zay, how you doing, man? Yeah, man, I'm going to keep it nice, short, and sweet, man. I think I'm doing really good in life. I think one thing New York has taught me 
is that we love mediocrity, and that's why Joe Judge was there for that long, and that's why he got kicked out of New York. But just get right into the topic number one: NFL coaching firings and the opening New York Jets. Well, Jay, before Jay, before you get into that, uh, okay. we we have a loaded uh, start to this show. We have a loaded show. We're gonna get into everything Black Friday, right? The Giants. We're gonna get into the Dolphins. Brian Flores. We're gonna get into a question that we uh, found about uh, you know the, all the openings. But, um, Black, Black, Black Monday, you mean? Black Monday. Oh, uh, did I say Black Friday? <laughs> I mean, shout out to I didn't, I didn't know Friday. NFL teams were doing uh, Christmas shopping already. Hey, Back listen, the, that was probably where the Giants said they was bringing back Joe Judge. It might as well be Black Friday the way they were selling New York. <laughs> no, <wait. laughs> Talk about the ultimate troll? Like, come on, man. I was like, whoa. I just want to make one quick statement before we get into the planned show. And it's just an observation I made. I'm, I'm curious to get your guys' opinion. And I think one thing we have to realize, like when it comes to all these job openings, right, is these jobs, right, becoming either an NFL head coach or a general manager, they're elite jobs. You get to run an NFL franchise, you get to make all the decisions, and you get to make a lot of money. It's high-pressure public jobs that are very competitive, and many people in the business of football want these jobs. And uh, this offseason, we're going to see about five to six head coaching jobs open. We all know who they are. We're going to get into them. Uh, we see that usually every year. That's something that's pretty normal. But what we don't see uh, very often that's not so normal is three GMs opening. The Vikings fire Rick Spielman, who is a pretty good GM in my opinion. He got a lot of talent there. I think he's going to be a general manager again. If I were the Bears, I would hire him in a second. They made the right decision, obviously firing Ryan Pace and Dave Gettleman, quote-unquote, retired, but we really know what happened uh, there with the Giants. So those are three really good general manager jobs, in my opinion, with Minnesota, the Bears, and the Giants. I'm very curious to see, with those three teams, what do they do first? Do they hire a GM first, or do they hire a coach first? Because... If they hire a GM first, right, and they're telling that GM, look, you could go hire a coach, and it's your ship, it's your team to run, like a GM in the 1980s. Like, these three jobs, in my opinion, are pretty appealing. But in the NFL these days, that's not really the trend. Like, you hire a big-time head coach, like Kyle Shanahan, he hired John Lynch, and they're a tag team, they're an operation, but... Uh, Kyle Shanahan is the one making those decisions. So I'm just very curious to see with those three openings, what do they do first and how do they approach those jobs? And then also, you know, there's like a really nice, you know, immature, not really naturally grown special teams coach out there. You know, just hire him off the rip, you know, might as well. You know, maybe he, you know, he learned under uh, Sean McVay. And, you know, since he's special teams, he might as well run offense. I don't see a problem with that, right? No, but like, honestly, I think the GM is the is number one option to go for. If you need if you need it, get the GM first because the talent and everything is brought over there first. You know, the head coaching is the X's and O's guy, and we all know that. But right now, in my opinion, I don't know if there's a coach right now that's going to change any organizations right around, you know, right away. So I think you have to go for that GM first just so um, he can draft well, maybe get some players over there as soon as possible, and then, um, you know, get bringing the right scouting team around that organization for whatever team to get them on the right footing. Yeah, I, I, I definitely coincide with all three of you here. But, Zay, I'm with you. The GM has to be first, regardless of who a team is. Just heed out my advice to those who are looking for GMs. Just don't hire an incompetent GM like Dave Gettleman was. That's all. 
Next. <laughs> Speaking of Dave Gettleman, we'll get right into the New York Giants to start off today's show. And Black Monday. So many things go down, but this was yesterday, uh, Tuesday. The New York Giants fire head coach Joe Judge after two seasons, and we want to talk about the state of the New York Giants because this is very interesting. This is one of those situations where it was a firing that made the fans happy, and I feel like right now, the New York Giants, we can all agree, without Joe Judge and without Dave Gettleman, are in a better, they're in a better spot right now without knowing who their GM and who their head coach is than they were just one week ago. So, my guy James, as our uh, resident Giant fan on this show, I'm going to throw you the mic to start this off. When you saw the news that Joe Judge was going to be fired, and keep in mind, this is only a couple weeks after a rumor dropped, and not even a rumor, a story dropped, that both Joe Judge and Daniel Jones would be returning to the Big Apple next year. So, something must have gone seriously wrong. So, James, when you saw that news, what do you think? I couldn't have been more thrilled. <laughs> I know it may not seem like it now, but deep down, I, I'm so over-the-top happy. It's not even funny. Because first of all, when you look at Joe Judge, this is a guy that I actually liked when they first got him. Because he said all the right things. He had that rough-and-tough attitude, no-nonsense type of guy. We all need more coaches like that. But the problem is... Every single one of those checkboxes were not checked because he did not live up to those words. And part of the reason being is because the players did not want to play for him. All right. So you look at Joe Judge, 10 and 23 in two years as head coach of the Giants. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe he's the third coach to be fired in two seasons or less in the past few years with uh, ben McAdoo and Pat Shermer. Am I correct in saying that? Say, say it again. If uh, I, th I said Joe Judge is the third coach to be fired in two seasons or less, um, along with Ben McAdoo and Pat Shermer. Am I correct on that? I believe so. Two okay, seasons, yeah. that, 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 that's exactly what I thought. Thank you. So now you understand what the Giants have been dealing with here. And over the past five seasons, okay, five seasons, gentlemen, hear this out. The New York Giants are 22 and 59. If that does not tell you how incompetent this team has been over the past five years, I don't know what you're watching. And I, I have a message for John Mara and Steve Tisch because they're the ones responsible for this whole mess in the first place, in my opinion, because they're the owners and it starts at the top. Mr. Mara and Mr. Tisch. Now, I know John Mara had his uh, press conference today. And again, please bear with me because I have quite a bit to say about this. So, I know John Mara had his press conference, which we'll probably get more into later on. But if I'm them, if I am the only two people that could not see the incompetence, the lack of talent that was on the field, but the fans could? That says a whole lot. And if I'm them, I know it's not going to happen. But sell the team. Sell the team. Because that just that tells me that, hey, we need to go in a different direction as far as ownership because this culture is clearly not working. Alright? Because, look, on paper, this Giants team should have been a whole lot better than their record said. But because they had an incompetent head coach 
who decides to call back-to-back -back quarterback sneaks on 39 in their own goddamn territory, for crying out loud, okay? And they had an unexplicable loss to the Chicago Bears, who also fired their head coach. It's about time. I don't know what took them so long with Matt Nagy, but I digress there. But even still, the bottom line is simply this. John Mayer and Steve Tisch are not good owners. I know John Mara said all the right things in his press conference, but here's the question. Is he going to live up to what he said? Because if he doesn't, then he's going to have a bigger egg on his face than he already does. Now, there's a lot of things you have to address if you're, if you're the Giants. I don't know exactly who they're going to hire for their GM and head coach positions, but this is my personal fantasy of who I would want if I was the owner. I know it's not going to happen, so please do not quote me on this. Don't come at me on social media. I'm not reporting this stuff, okay? This is just me personally who I would like. For GM, I know everybody is throwing out this name, but Lewis Riddick would be great. Lewis Riddick would be a tremendous GM. And as head coach, this might surprise you, and I know we're going to talk about this in a little bit, wouldn't Brian Flores be a great fit for the Giants? Wouldn't he? Because have you seen the success that he's had with the Dolphins? Despite the fact that he started off rough, you see the success that Flores had with the Dolphins. At least the players wanted to play for him. Yes, they narrowly missed the playoffs, but you see how hard they play for their head coach? That's the type of guy who I want and I'm going after if I'm the new GM of the Giants. Alright? So... Obviously, there's a lot to fix here, but the bottom line with the state of the New York Giants is they are a clown show organization right now, and it's not going to change until some of the right pieces fall into place. Period. Oh, well. Yeah, um, to follow up my passionate Giants fan here on the show, you know, to follow up where he left off, when he talked about Joe Judge, now let me be the judge about Joe Judge. When you look at this cat and you look at this clown, right, you see that to people, he was perfectly advertised. No nonsense, no BS. I'm trying to be this um, Tom, uh, not Tom, um, Bill Belichick, Bill Parcells, Tom Coughlin type of dude. But what we have to realize in sports and in positions like that is that you can look the part, but you have to be the part. And there's some coaches, they may not look the part. Let's stay in this conference. Nick Sariani, bring that ass here, boy. I mean, this guy be in the media, he didn't look the part at one point. Didn't he? he didn't even know how to address the media. And people was criticizing him, criticizing him for that. But guess what? He sure is being the part. He got them cats at the playoffs right now. So looking the part and being the part is two different things. Clearly, when you have a team that two years ago, they looked like they were gonna they were gonna be a team in the playoffs that you didn't want to see. They was playing decent football. The defense was playing good. And when you as a owner or a GM say, All right, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna invest and try to make the playoffs because we feel that we have a team that all we need is a couple more additions and we taking that next step. Right? And you didn't get them to the playoffs, you gotta go. This is a production base here. This is how coaching works in all of sports. You don't produce, you go home. You produce from the couch. That's it. It's that simple. And when I look See, at that, that, that's the thing, Julio. I don't mean to cut you off here. The NFL is a what have you done for me lately league. Joe Judge has done zero to nothing 
to show them that he deserves to stay. Unless your name is Mike Tomlin, but that's another topic for another day. I don't want to bust for no fatness like I did on the last show. But yeah, so basically, I mean, he got them cats in the playoffs, so you know, I, you know, I got it. Exactly. But the word is you have to respect him. That's the word you should be using here. I, I respect him. Him. I, I respect never had to lose a season. I respect that part. But that's as far as I'm going to go. But anyway, staying here on this topic, right? Kenny Galladay, you gave, first of all, this dude had one good year. One decent year. In Detroit. In Detroit, one decent year. And even not, with that not decent one, year. Not one touchdown this year. Not, not, not one. one touchdown. Not one touchdown. I had one decent year, not one touchdown this year. My dad didn't even know who he was, even after the decent year in Detroit. And the Giants <sighs> gave him $72 million to Man. only not get one touchdown. He even get 500 yards, bro. He even get half of 1,000 yards. Kyle Rudolph, the Red Nose Reindeer. You talking about 257 yards and one touchdown throughout the whole year? John Ross, every time he touched the ball, it was big plays. Where was he found on the, on the football field? Barely utilized. So, yeah, if you're the Giants, you're going to have to get this head coaching right, and you're going to have to make better decisions when it comes to adding talent to this roster, whether it be draft, whether it be free agency. We all know the Saquon Barkley pick, and I'm in here. That oh. pick send these guys back years. When you have a top three pick and you miss on that pick, that can send you back years, right? They could have been the Bengals right now. Had they drafted Josh Allen, because I forgot Josh Allen was in the same draft class. Had they drafted Josh Allen, these guys could have been the Bengals. But guess what? They are what they are. A laughing stock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah so, no, not, not just not just the laughing stock. I'm sorry, Zach, to cut you off. Not just the laughing stock, Leo. They might be the worst team in football right now, and it's not even close. I think the Jets gave them a run, too. Like, <laughs> no, I, I don't know. At least the Jets are showing you some positive <laughs> things. What have the Giants shown you? Nothing. Yeah, so a couple of thoughts on the Giants, right? I'll start off by saying this: like we're on the same page. I believe, like I, I, I assume so. Like they made the right decision. This was a, a firing that had to be made. Things were just getting that bad that quickly. And the New York Giants, like it's crazy. Like this is NFL royalty. Like this is the New York Football Giants. Four Super Bowls in the last thirty years, forty years. Like these guys, they're the New York Giants, man. And like they have until like the last five, six years, like. They've always been at least relevant. They've always been like kind of like the Steelers, like consistently winning games. But I'll say this: I'm trying to figure out like what went wrong with the Giants from like the the, the time that famous boat picture was taken to now, because that's the timeline oh I'm, I'm using. And like to be honest, like Joe Judge was in over his head. He had to be fired, of course. But in my opinion, Will hinted at it. Dave Gettleman is the number one culprit in, in all of this. He's single-handedly just ruined this team because he thought that drafting Saquon Barkley with that number two pick was going to make the New York Giants Super Bowl contenders. That's the only reason why you draft a running back with the number one pick because we all know running backs don't have a long uh, shelf in their prime. Yeah, Dave Gettleman's career basically rested on Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones. Right, exactly. And you just brought it up. Daniel Jones, man. Look, I think sometimes, like, he's an NFL quarterback. He's a backup quarterback in the NFL. Yep. At no point did we watch Daniel Jones at Duke and think to ourselves, like, oh, like, that's a guy we need to draft in the top 10. 
The Giants drafted him at number six. No one else was going to draft him until like 15 at the earliest. And that's the issue. When you draft a quarterback in the top 10, like as a GM, that you're selling your soul to those picks. As you said, like those are two very important picks. And the fact that Dave Gettleman still was not able to fix the offensive line from the time he got here, from the time he left the Giants' offensive line, has just consistently been bad. Um, and it's disappointing because last year, Joe Judge did look like a decent hire. Like, the Giants played some encouraging football last year. It looked, it looked like for the first time in a while, they finally were taking uh, some steps forward. But this season, like, just about everything has gone wrong, and it's circled around those three things. The poor quarterback play, Saquon Barkley either being injured or just not effective, and the offensive line not being good. Obviously, the defense has really regressed. All of the, the Galladay signing was terrible. But I will say this. We're going to you know, get into uh, the head coach uh, opening, uh, a question we have about that in a little bit. I will say, like, this is the New York Giants. And I know right now things are super bleak. But I think things are at least better now because we all realize they were going to be in a better spot without Joe Judge and hopefully without Daniel Jones. Like, at least they could just start over right now and look for a new head coach and look for a new GM and look for a new quarterback. Like, the Giant fans' number one worry was that John Mara was just going to tolerate this and bring the whole band back together next year, and that obviously would not have worked. We, we have enough evidence at this point that everything was just failing completely. And I do think that whoever's out there, like, if you could fix the New York football Giants... And if you could succeed here, like, you are going to be a legend. Like, we know when the Giants are good, New York revolves around the New York football Giants. And, um, you know, I just think without all of these guys, they're at least in a better spot now than if they would have brought all them back. Mm. My thing is with this Giants team is that the only time they were good was when, A, their defense was stout, and then, B, when their offensive line got actually stopped something from going through. That was the only time the Giants were, comp were competent. At any times, and I think right now the Giants just don't need don't have either. Or I think they need a defense out there for way too long. Um, and our offense is just so bad. They they throw three and out almost every possession, and their defense is out there for almost forty minutes, fifty minutes throughout the entirety of its game. No defense can be competent when a, when an offense is not allowing them to at least get some rest on the side. It seems like as soon as they get the three and out, the defense comes on the field, comes off the field, and then three seconds later. They're right back on the field because the offense turned the ball over or they they bad bad plays. They're trying to rush three plays and not get ten yards. It's horrible. But hopefully with the new GM um and a new coach, uh well first the new GM. I think the new GM they need to bring some actual talent to this roster. They need they need a good offensive line. I think that's where it needs to start. Mm -hmm. You know, because even um, average or even slightly below average players can get yardage or under behind a great offensive line. Get get a good offensive line over there first. Um, and hopefully a great GM that they hire will bring that with them. And then the coach, you know, the coach, the locker uh, room leader, he's the guy who's going to be the most vocal. And hopefully they bring a real good guy in there. I don't know if Brian Flores is the guy because right now the roster that they have, I wouldn't want to put Brian Flores in that kind of situation because their roster right now doesn't, doesn't look good. And I don't know what GM they will hire that's going to bring in talent now. We, won't, we don't know what the heck the Giants are going to do because the last couple of years the Giants have been making nothing but bad decisions. So I don't know what they're going to do next. Maybe well, let me, let me throw this question corners. out there quickly. 
we, I brought it up to start the show. If you're the New York Giants, I'll throw this out there. The Miami Dolphins, when Brian Flores got there, it was almost like they sabotaged him. They were tanking mm. for Tua. That, that roster was terrible. And people yeah, thought he, he was going to go 0-16, and he had that team at least playing well. So if you're the Giants, would you be willing to go to Brian Flores and say, look, we know a lot of teams are on the market. Would you be, uh, be willing to go up to him and say, look, Brian, we want you so badly. We'll give you the bank, and we'll let you pick the GM. Come to New York and be the head coach of the Giants. What yeah, what, what, what would entice him to go over to the Giants other than the Bears, which has more talent than the Giants? Well, well, that, 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 that's a that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Well, uh, well, here's the thing. It, it really is going to come down to the, how the organizations are ran. Not everyone is going to be willing to do that. You know, some organizations are going to want to hire a GM first. That, that's why I said to start the show. Is it, it, it really depends on that? Like, where are you willing to pivot first? The Can You Dig It Sports Radio Network is here. Revolutionize the game of media. Brian Flores. Um, yeah, I think we should move on to him in this topic because it's a perfect segue, right? And Zach, can you actually throw that lob with the question? Because I actually can't see it. Yeah, so on Black Monday, usually when these coaches get fired, we saw it with Vic Fangio on Sunday because the Broncos played on Saturday. Like these fires are, these firings are usually pretty expected. It's it's very rare that we see a head coach get fired that we didn't really see coming on Black Monday. That kind of shocked us all out of nowhere. But that's exactly what happened with Brian Flores. Uh, the Dolphins let him go after two seasons. And the questions, we, the question we have on the table is: Will the Dolphins regret this move? Will they regret the firing of Brian Flores? And uh, Lil, I know you wanted to get into this right off the bat. So what do you have to say? I have a lot to say, and it might surprise some folks, because on Monday, when I first heard the news, I'm like, what the hell are y'all doing? Like, really? Y'all barely about to fire this guy? But then that was obviously an uh, instant reaction when we was recording. I had time to do some digging. Why did they fire this guy? You have to look at those things. Why? What are some of the things internally that was going on? And what I found, I had to answer this question, no. And the reason why I'm going to answer this question, no, it's not indicative of Brian Flores. I want to make this clear. My brother, I see you getting amped up a little bit. Brian Flores is an excellent coach. And I will say anybody who hires Brian Flores will be doing their franchise justice. But there was a lack of communication. They were not on the same page over there. And you should not want an organization if you're not on the same page. Clearly, Stephen Ross, this guy is 200 years old. He wants to make moves Right at this point in time in his life, he wanted to take for Joe Burrow, and that's why I wanted to jump on that point that Zach made because they couldn't get Joe Burrow. They would have had to get the Bengals to trade down, right, to get Joe Burrow. Otherwise, they would have had to tank to get that pick. Now you can look look at it from alternative, you know, perspectives. Brian Flores is out here trying to win, but Stephen Ross is out here trying to tank because he wants the best player in the draft. And Joe Burrow, we could look in hindsight, probably was that best player in the draft. We could look at it that way, him or Justin Herbert, however you want to go. So sometimes in life, you got to take an L and get a W. And I may not agree with it, you may not agree with it, but that's how Stephen Ross was looking at it and Brian Flores was looking at it different. When it comes to this Deshaun Watson situation, because granted with this firing, we have to look at how is this going to impact that because literally they had a deal verbally committed to it just was pending legal clarity whatever and 
Now, what does that do for that deal? Because Stephen Ross, he's the one that wanted Deshaun Watson, in my personal opinion, based on my research. He wanted Deshaun Watson. Brian Flores is not thinking about Deshaun Watson. He wants to focus on the games, no distractions. So even, I'm not saying what Brian Flores is doing is wrong, but clearly you have a, a, a GM and a and a um, owner, whatever, and a coach they're on different pages. That's bad for your team. One guy want to do this, another guy want to do that. Y'all have to have a clear sense of direction. And if he owns the team and Brian Flores and him not seeing out of eye, then you got to pack him up. Also, as Brian Flores, you have to learn in this life, in this sensitive generation, how to talk to grown men. There's some things that rub people the wrong way. What he did when he subbed out to her. Granted, Zach, I know you like the move. They won the game because of the move. But that's going to make Tua not like you. That's a confidence killer right there. Also, Jacoby Brissett, I watched this guy. He's one of the most friendliest team players there is out there. He was on the Patriots. That's how I know about him. He root for Tommy B, right? That's his nickname for Tommy. Tommy B, always rooting for guys. He was playing a game against the Ravens. He didn't suck. He didn't get um, on the bench because he had a bad performance. He got hurt, was cleared to come back in the game. Brian Flores like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Nah, two will go in the game. And Brissette, you could tell that he didn't want to come out the game. Like, what the hell? So that can rub people off the wrong way. You could lose locker rooms like that. There was another incident with a guy named Kenny Stills. Why receiver? I know the dude. He was um, protesting Colin Kaepernick. He had some issue with um, Jay-Z partnering with the NFL. And Brian Flores is going to have a practice where he's playing six Jay-Z songs at that practice. Granted, his reasoning was, you want to hear noise and all that, and you need to know how to focus. I don't buy that. You got to know how to talk to people. You got to know how to talk to grown folks. So by me answering this question, no, they're not going to regret it. It's not indicative of his coach at Burley. He's a great coach, fantastic coach. But number one, you need to be in a predicament where you and the owner and the GM is all on the same page. That's best for a franchise. And number two, you have to learn how to communicate with men, with grown men making grown men money. And I'll leave it there. This was a move that was pretty surprising to most people around the NFL. Uh, are the Dolphins going to regret the firing of Brian Flores? Zay, I'm going to throw the mic over to you. I know you're a big Brian Flores fan. How did you react when you saw the news? Uh, I thought it was um, unfortunate. The guy won, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it was seven of the last eight games or was it eight of his last nine games? I forgot eight, eight, eight of his last nine. It was eight of his last nine games, you know, and I think that's unfortunate for any coach because what does that really say for this league? You know, this guy finished the second half of the season very strong. He defeated um, the Patriots at the last game. Um, it, was, it was a big rival division game, and um, I feel like, you know, early in the season they had a lot of injuries. Tua got hurt early. They had to deal with Jacoby Brissett. You know, they had a lot of uh, bad losses early on in the season, but once everybody was back and healthy on the, on the um, field, and um, he was they were playing winning football, and I think winning – finishing the season with another winning record when when he first got hired the team didn't really have anybody they had nothing but depleted assets and depleted like a depleted roster where they didn't really know what direction they wanted to go to when they first brought on Brian Flores I think he did an exceptional job he was kind of given a bad hand to start off his his career with the Dolphins as a head coach and he finished with a pretty steady steady deck of cards um I think he should have should have been given that opportunity to kind of play a third season and the, the kind of force what this organization could be. Um, I know Lil stated that, um, you know, he had those a couple spats that Brian Flores had with the players. Uh, not spats, but, you know, the certain instances where he's kind of showing his, his head coaching card. You know, like, I'm the coach, you know, I'm the, like that dominant figure. 
on the team where he's like kind of instilling his power. And um, you know, that's the kind of coach that you probably need in that organization because, like I said, the Dolphins didn't really have a, a winning attitude in that locker room prior to his survival. And I think that was something that maybe is needed, especially with the teams that are currently um having um head coach openings. They're gonna need that figure, that guy who's the the, the power figure, the guy who is gonna lead his team in a sense to to victories and then coach them to the best of his capabilities on an every game basis. That's something. That's someone that Brian Flores is. I just feel like the Dolphins needed that figure still in that locker room. I don't yes. want to jump in, um, Zach. I, don't, I think it's unfair that I'm one of my second lap. I just wanted to respond to Zay and probably to y'all based on how y'all would probably feel about how I came off. I just want to make one thing clear for 30 seconds, and I'm giving the mic right back to Zach here. I'm not saying that he should have been fired because of results. Clearly, if you're looking at results and what he's done for this franchise, he deserves an extension. Not mm -hmm. to be fired, but what I'm saying is that you can't want an organization and you and the people upstairs are not connecting. You're not on the same page. You cannot run a, a, a great organization with championship level football and y'all thinking two different ways. One mm -hmm. guy wants Deshaun Watson, one guy wants Joe Burrow, the next guy think he can win with what he has and, and this and that. It, it, it doesn't work like that. You have to have a com um, communication, you know, conference or something they should have talked it out hashed it out but at the end of the day if they did or they didn't if y'all not on the same page i can't work but go ahead Zach. my fault all right so i this is gonna get really interesting so hang with me the dolphins for the last 25 years have been a pretty average franchise like if you look at their record since dan marino left it's just about eight and eight and worse like every single year that is who they are but brian flores won a total of 19 games the last two years and last year he won games with 38 year old ryan fitzpatrick this year he won games with tua who has a weak arm like it's crazy how limited he is as a passer like it's unreal like the transformation of college tua to nfl Tua is pretty crazy but mm -hmm. it's interesting here were the reports i heard coming out of miami that flores's relationship with tua was actually getting worse and worse and the same thing was happening with the relationship of Brian Flores and the GM, Chris Greer. Here's my question, though. Do you blame Brian Flores? Here's the thing about the NFL, right? There's a lot of drama because there's a lot of backstabbing and there's a lot of like shady stuff that goes on when it comes to getting these jobs because they're so lucrative. So Chris Greer doesn't want to lose his job where he's making like two to three million dollars a year like how many other jobs in america could you have that you're making that money not money not many so if you're chris greer right the minute you start to see a possible rift anyone in the organization it's probably smart for you to get a little bit buddy buddy with stephen ross because as the gm you spend more time with the owner naturally the, the coach is too busy spending time with his team so to be honest like it wouldn't shock me if some shady stuff happened here because i don't know this for sure i'm just gonna take a guess it had to be very hard for brian flores to walk into the dolphins practice facility every day and to just see tua especially if he wasn't on board with drafting him because whether chris greer forced the dolphins to take tua or not like how could you coach tua with a straight face when you know at the back of your mind like you could have had justin herbert like it's one thing to say just be a pro like okay that's fine and you'll coach him but like everyone is human and if you're the dolphins like the frustrating thing is you've been right in it 
the past two years. Like, you've finished one game back in the playoffs each of the last two years. If the Dolphins had Justin Herbert, like, they would be a playoff team. But no, they drafted Tua, who looks like an average quarterback at best. And I know the Broncos, for example, would, like, sign for an average quarterback. The problem is you drafted him number five overall, and you're stuck with him. And next year, he's going to have to learn his third offense in three years. Another thing I want to get into quickly is Steven Ross. And it's interesting because with the owner, like, no one really knows. No one is really in with the conversations between those key pillars of the organization, between the head coach, between the GM, between the general manager and the the owner, those three guys. Like, no one's in on those conversations between those three. So what is Steven Ross telling these guys to do? Like, he could have some crazy ideas that sound crazy if you heard them, and no one would have any idea what is going on. I actually heard a report that Steven Ross scouts uh, college football games on Saturday nights and he'll like take notes on prospects and then send it to the general manager or the decision makers and they'll draft players like based on his notes like Steven bro like work the stock market work your real estate agency like just hire people and let them work an owner who lives and dies by the team is the worst like that's how your organization gets really bad really quickly you can be involved with the team a little bit but you have to hire guys that are smarter than you and let them work if you're just some rich businessman like most most owners are his ideas should not be considered when you're drafting like ovens of linemen that's your general manager's job and i to be honest just wonder if stephen ross is just a terrible owner because i'm watching clips of the bears owner Damn. right now mccaskey and his press conferences and i'm not gonna lie the bears they just feel old they feel like a mom and pop shop um i say it on the show all the time like it's not 1998 anymore it's not 1999 it is 2021 and the bears while they're in in the third biggest media market in the world with a huge brand the chicago bears they just feel old they feel archaic and it's very hard to overcome that 2022 brother 2022 I think we knew what he meant, but he was just getting so fired up. No, 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 I, feel it, I, feel it. I, I, I get it. I get it. Um, well, James, hey, James um, what do you have to say? I hear everything the three of you are saying, but let me just say this. They say winning is the ultimate deal to win, right? Just keep winning. Well, Brian Flores, despite the fact that he started off rough, kept this guy's competing and surprisingly winning and that's why they are absolutely 100% going to regret this let me just recap his three seasons with the Dolphins for you for those that may not know let's go to 2019 his first year and Zach brought it up earlier this was a roster that he was given which was deemed by many to be the worst in football we were talking about them going 0-16 what happened they finished 5-11 should have okay. been 0 16, but. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it all, yeah, they, they really should have finished 0 16. Yeah. yeah. 2020, yeah. I forget exactly where they finished, but I know they missed the playoffs. And then you have this past season. Started off 1 and 7, rattled off 8 of the last 9 games, narrowly missed the playoffs. And not only that, Zay, you brought up beating the Patriots. They swept them. They swept them throughout the regular season, beat them twice. Beat them twice. Didn't think anything else about it. So, look, I understand that there may have been a rift between Flores and ownership, which is obviously something that you don't want, especially with the players as well. But here's the thing, and here's, this is how I look at things. 
don't you sometimes need to learn from those rifts in order to become a better athlete and a better person? So to me, if he were to have stuck around, maybe he could have worked his way around those rifts and had his guys competing more. And if he were to have stuck around, heck, we may be talking about the Dolphins next year, potentially making it as a wildcard team. But now that he's not here, I'm guaranteeing this right now, and this might be a bit bold, but this is what this show is all about, baby. The Miami Dolphins will be dead last in the AFC East. You can book it this year because that's how much Brian Flores has meant to this team. He changed this culture despite all the rifts and whatever you want to hear behind the scenes. He has changed this culture and he has started to improve this team tenfold. And they are going to regret this big time. I think oh, he forgot the Jets got to take over the division. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I'm like, he forgot the Jets or something? You, you know? I don't, I don't know about that. But um, oh I would say this. And I, I just want to make this clear, right? It's hard because most guys will not look at it this way, but some people will. And Ryan Flores was just too good for his own good, bro. Like, you you go 5-11 and 11 in, a, in a year with the worst roster, you're supposed to tank, bro. Zach said they stuck with two. Why? Because they didn't take. And guess what? I don't want nobody to lie on the show and say that, oh, we knew Justin Herbert was going to be this good. Nobody did. None of us thought it was going to be this good. Nobody did. You saw his record in big games in college? I saw a video where somebody said, why you should not draft Justin Herbert? And he had to go back a year later after that tweet and we tweeted and say, listen, I was a dumbass. Nobody knew he was going to be that great. So you was probably going to go with an unhealthy tour over Justin Herbert. can Can I just ask a couple questions, though? If, if sure. that Dolphin team did go 0 and 16, like doesn't Brian Flores get fired? Like wasn't that just he would not, not how you fire no, I, I, I don't think so. I don't. You don't fire him with that. Okay, but you guys, okay, but you guys remember that first game they played against the Ravens? Like you remember that conversation that came up after that game? It was like, like they're are they going to be the worst team in NFL history? Like are they so, just so, get, so, so are they going to get blown out in every game? An awful like, roster. No, yeah, I, I I'm get not going to fire him with that. But, like, at the same time, the point I'm trying to make is he was basically put in a position to fail uh, to begin with. And, and he won, and he was supposed to fail for good reason and for good causes. you got to get Joe Burrow. If they had Joe Burrow right now, this team will be in the playoffs. And, going okay, well, here's the other thing, though. What if that, Brian that, that Flores, I once again, I, I brought this up earlier, right? In the NFL in 2022, okay, the GM and the head coach, it's not like the past where the general manager makes all the decisions. It's a team, it's a tag team. Like they're both making the decisions, like depending on the organization, like some guy will have more power than others, but like the head coach and the GM are a team. Like they're making the, de- the important decisions, like drafting together. If Brian Flores, for all we know, what if he wanted to draft it, draft Justin Herbert and Chris Greer wanted to, uh, and, and, and Chris Greer knew he's yeah, exactly. and Chris Greer was like, oh shoot. I don't want to get fired. He got all comfy with the owner, and I think that's why Brian Flores doesn't have a job. I really that, do. That, I think that's, that's what more I... speculation. I don't know if he wanted Justin Herbert or not. But what I can tell you is, and listen, I don't want to pound on this guy. This guy's from Brooklyn, bro. I'm from Brooklyn, yeah. bro. I could walk to where he's from. Literally. <laughs> be there in 15 minutes. Like, literally, I want to see this guy do good, and I know where he goes. He's going to be the hot commodity. He's going to be set up for success. Yeah. But at the same time, if I know... That I'm having questions about Tua because I was on the record plenty of times saying I wouldn't have drive Tua with that hip surgery. The guy came and throw the ball down the field. He's terrible. I would have fired you on sight for winning games, bro, and missing Joe Bro. He would have got fired last, that same year. You know what I'm saying? Just for, for um winning. Not for losing, for winning. Because I know Joe Bro is the guy 
that could change a franchise and he did with the Bengals. And now, to answer this question, are they going to regret it? They might not. You know why? Because what if Deshaun Watson still wants to go there? What if he gets his legal allegations cleared and he says, you know what? I still want to go to Miami. You got Deshaun Watson. He played without a coach. He played without a top well, five. He said he's making a pass in the yards. Who's coaching him, though? What, what, if Andrew, what if Andrew Luke comes out of retirement and they pick him up? Like, what, what, what are we doing? What is this? Oh, my. You mean to I tell just, me with Deshaun Watson I, and this wait, roster that a coach would not want to coach for the Dolphins? Can I just say one thing? What I've heard is that part of the reason, keep in mind, Watson has no trade cause. Part of the reason he wanted to go to Miami so badly was yeah, because, because of Brian, Brian Flores. Now, Thank that, you. Say, that's that's, that's what look, I heard. But look at it like so, this. So, it, so now, who knows what Deshaun Watson's plan and, 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 no and that's what we're going to have to decide. Is that loss of Brian Flores big enough where he says, you know what? I'm going to step this one out because they do got a good roster. They got a star in Jalen Waddle. They still got pieces. They got a good defense. And you forget a location, Miami. I mean, the brother right. like women. You know what I'm saying? He like women. There's a lot of women out there in Miami. You know what I'm oh saying? So God. lifestyle, all that. I mean, maybe that, that ship hasn't sailed. Because guess what? Miami's better than the Texans. I'll tell you that. And I don't know what other teams out there going to give him that same type of day that the Dolphins was giving him. Clearly, not a lot. Only the um, Panthers might. That's about it. Yeah, I just, I, I'll just say this to end it. Like, the Dolphins have been an average team the past 25 years, and they finally had a good coach, and they let him go. Like, it's crazy. No, thank like, you. Like, like yeah, I, I, and, I don't get it. They, like, missed really out on, they missed out on some quarterbacks. So you know what? I end here with my take, too. If they got that one trial one with Tua, and they said, you know what? I'm not going to pay full price. This is a trial one. I'm going to cut my membership before they start charging me. You would have looked at that draft last year. Kyle Shanahan was nowhere near in that top 10. He traded up to draft Trey Lance at the top three pick. Why didn't they do that? Why didn't they draft the quarterback again? Why not? We do it. The Cardinals did it. The Cardinals drafted two years in a row top picks. Right, but here's the thing, though. Why did Steve, Why did Steven Ross pick Chris Greer over Brian Flores? Like, that's what, I, like, that's what I'm because trying Steven to Because Steven Ross out, like. is trying to win championships. He wants, He wanted Joe Bowl. He wants Deshaun Watson. And Brian Flores is winning, but not winning enough to the point where it's hurting the team, if that makes sense. You're winning, but not playoff winning. You're winning games to get close to the playoffs, putting us far from the top 10 draft pick. Now we can't even get a star quarterback because you're winning, but you're not even getting us to the damn playoffs. Dude, that, that's, what, that, that's why I'm saying they're going to regret it because without him there, they're not even going to get close to a so championship. Many, so many coaches on the market right now. You hire a good coach, and let's say that Deshaun Watson still has the thing, though. You back up for business. I think, that's the final, for Super Bowl. I think that's the final argument I'll make. I think that what makes Brian Flores such a good coach is that he has had some not so great rosters and he has really overachieved with them. So if you give him legitimate talent and like, the Dolphins have some nice pieces, uh, then I don't see any reason why they couldn't be uh, a good team. Like, like I know that they obviously got the pick at quarterback wrong, and that's going to be a, a pick that they're going to regret for a really long time. But I'm telling you, I really think that's what happened. I really think that when Chris Greer finally realized that, oh, shoot, the only what I screwed up big time. I, I took Tua over Justin Herbert. And I know we can make the argument like, oh, at the time, we no one thought Justin Herbert would be that good. We all thought Tua was better. That is true. But here's the thing, though. It doesn't matter what we all thought. If you're an NFL general manager, your job is to get the pick right. It's that simple. Did you get the pick right or did you get it wrong? And he yep. got it wrong. And a mistake like that is so bad and Brian that Flores it really him. could cost you your job. And I and really Brian do Flores think that he realized that he went to Steve Ross and got a buddy-buddy with him.
He's supposed to be taking. You out here winning. Now nah, I got to make a tougher decision. If you out here taking, the decision is easy. I'm going Joe Burrow number one. No doubt about it. That's an easy, that's an easy checkbox right there. Now yeah, yeah. you're making my job harder because you're winning. And now I got to see, oh, it's two an injury history. Let me take that consideration. Just wait, remember, you he finished one, one game back college. of the playoffs the last two years with the average roster. Like if you have a good roster, yeah. you can win this, playoff this roster wasn't first. below average, though. This roster wasn't below oh, this, average. This, this season yeah. wasn't, but they, they was injured. But they did. They but, yeah. I mean, injuries happen all the time. The Patriots was out of the playoff round. They beat the Patriots. They were out of the playoff round. They circled back in. They could have been that team that circled back. No, I, I mean, I mean, look outside of Jalen Waddle, who's going to be a stud. That that that's a pretty average football team. The only reason they were competitive is because Brian Flores had them competing, and that was not there. To the next topic, you know, uh, which head coaching is the most lucrative on the market right now? And Zach, I think uh, I want to send it off to you. What, what do you think is the most lucrative? market right now <laughs> okay so i have a couple of things to say about each option i'll try to go quickly so the vikings right that's the first one that came to mind i'll be simple like they have a problem on their hands they have a, a 35 million dollar quarterback who is just okay and they're stuck with that <laughs> yeah but their roster isn't terrible and they've been very competitive the last couple of years and i agree mike zimmer had to go it was time but Rick Spielman getting fired was pretty surprising like i, I really do think he's going to get another job the bears a lot of it will come down to what do you think of Justin Fields as a quarterback. I really liked him coming out of college. Uh, I think he's super athletic. I think he's fast. Uh, but you watch him this year, uh, and how much of like his struggles this season could you really put on him? Like He was just in a disaster of an organization. Same thing with Zach Wilson. Same thing with Trevor Lawrence. It was just a disaster. Uh, if you like Justin Fields, this should draw you to that job. But I'm not sure like how much changes this or next year or uh like i said again with the bears like they just feel like a mom and pop shop to me they just feel old they just feel very archaic and it's unfortunate because they're in one of the biggest media markets in the country the broncos they have a very good roster they have a very good gm in george payton that people think very highly of if the broncos didn't hire him last year he probably would be the vikings general manager right now because he was rick spielman's right hand man and i think the broncos roster is very talented it's very good but how do you find a quarterback? Like, you don't have one. The Vikings need a quarterback. The Giants need a quarterback. And I'm tired of talking about Russell Wilson and his trade demands. Uh, it doesn't make sense for Aaron Rodgers to leave the Green Bay Packers. Deshaun Watson still has his question marks. But it's interesting. And I'll say this about the Jaguars. If I was, like, Aiden Hutchinson or Kayvon Thibodeau or anyone else who is even being remotely considered to get drafted with the number one overall pick, like I, under no circumstance would I be okay with going to Jacksonville. I would not do it. There is just no way. And I kind of feel the same way when it comes to being a coach there. Like you enter Jacksonville and it just, it's losing. Like that's all they do. Like I, in, in my opinion, they're just as bad as the Lions. Like anytime they've been good, it's just immediately fallen apart. And Looks the like Sean is their owner, like, I don't trust that. I think my answer to this question would probably be the Raiders, but if Basaccio wins a playoff game, like, you're probably not getting rid of him. Like, you could make the argument right now no. that he should keep the job to begin with. So, to be honest, like, there isn't one job that I look at and I'm like, oh, wow, like, by far and away, like, this is the, the best job. My default answer, honestly, is going to be the New York Giants. Just Ooh. because... 
They have two first, they have two top 10 picks this year. And I really do think that as bad as their roster is right now, like if you win with the New York Giants, like you are a legend. And the New York Giants are a historically well-run organization. And they have, they've had success before. It hasn't been, it's been long, but it hasn't been that long. They, they, they still are a winning organization. And I do think if you're smart and you could use those two top 10 picks wisely, the New York Giants would be my answer. Well, it depends on who's who's going to be the GM of the Giants, but you do make a fair point, Zach. But um, listen, this is a really, really, it's really a tough question to answer because there's just so many intriguing opportunities out there. But if I have a definitive answer, it, it's got to be the Bears. It, it's got to be the Bears for one reason and one reason only. It's Justin Fields, man. I mean, I, I look at the Bears roster, it's actually not as bad as people make it out to be. Defensively, they're fine. Nobody's questioning their defense. Offensively, they're okay. They just need somebody to develop Justin Fields the right way. Because what happened under Matt Nagy? He kept him on the bench. Kept him on the bench. We couldn't see the full potential of Justin Fields. Instead, we saw Andy Dalton and Nick Foles. Really? That, that That's the best you could come up with? So... If I'm the Bears, I'm looking... I don't know exactly what they're going to do at GM and coach, but that's definitely the most ludicrous spot I can think of right now because I want to see how they are going to develop Justin Fields. Because Justin Fields is a hell of an athlete. And we have seen flashes of it this past season, but it just wasn't to its full potential because of an incompetent head coach and GM because they couldn't develop him the right way. So my answer is the Bears. Well, which one, which team do you think uh, is the most most marketable right now? Lucas, I think this is an easier question than what y'all making it out to be. I'm going to go Denver Broncos, you know, because okay. right now, when I look at their roster, they're ready to win now built. And as a coach, I can't do nothing with no scrubs. TLC couldn't either. I can't either. I need you to be a star. I need to have talent. And they have cornerstones on both sides of the ball that scream talent. Justin Simmons on the defense. Patrick Satane, great pick. Obviously, could have been quarterback there, but great pick, great talent. You take him. All right, cool. You got them over there. You also look at the offense. You got your guy, Jerry Judy. You also got Javante Williams. You got Tim Patrick. You got Colin Sutton. All you're missing is a quarterback. Now, how you find yep. that quarterback is going to be a key there. But I know they're perfectly ran. They From the top down, they good ran. Um, clearly went to a Super Bowl a couple years ago. It's not like you go into a Lions and it's dysfunctional all throughout the decades. They won a Super Bowl before. They've been missing a quarterback. But you got a top five defense in the league. You got a top scoring defense in the league. And you almost beat the Chiefs um, on Saturday. You are right there. You are there. Talented-wise, you match up with Kansas City. No doubt about it. Talented-wise, you match up with the Chargers. No doubt about it. I can look at Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes. But if I can get me a decent quarterback, that can win me games. I was just about to say, not with Drew Locke as their quarterback. They ain't going anywhere. Yeah, not with Drew Locke. But if they can get me somebody, a quarterback there, I'm taking that job. Because if I don't get him this year, I'm going to try to get him next year. I will take that job. I want to go back to Zach's point when we talk about the Jaguars. I disagree with Zach. Mm. I, don't, I think the Jaguars is a top five destination. And I say that what? Say for this reason. And... Hear me out, brother. I know you're getting that up, but brother, you got to listen to the real little. Real little is philosophical, bro. 
You gotta listen to the real look. I'm gonna tell you what it is. And the reason why is because number one, you get stability there. That's one job that can grant you stability in ways that no other on this conversation could offer you. When you talk about Shad Cohen and how he's lenient to coaches, he's always been lenient. They never had to worry about getting fired. You have time to work their magic if you're a good coach. They took long to fire Urban Meyer. And I told Zach this on the record. If Urban Meyer did not kick that player, Josh Lambeau, he would have been back for year two. Because that's how lenient Shah Khan is. So if I know I can keep a job for two, three years, and I got time, I got the Trevor Lawrence, they beat the Buffalo Bills and the Colts, who people deem to be the most dangerous team in the playoffs on either conference. They could build that momentum cap space, the top three cap space in the league. I could work with that, but I would have to believe in my coaching ability. And as a coach, you should. So I would look at their job and say, that's all right. I I'll take an interview. And I'll see what other offers that I got on the table. But Denver screams the best for me right now. Zay, I don't mean to cut you off, Zay. I apologize. <laughs> but let me let me just say this. Unless you move the Jaguars to London, nobody's going to want to go there. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. I'll leave it at that. Zay, the floor is yours. Go ahead. I just wanted to say that um, the Jaguars was going to be one of the options I was choosing. But I think I have to go with Minnesota Vikings. <clears throat> for the reason being, despite not having a cap space, they have the talent already there on that team. They have Dalvin Cook. They have Justin Jefferson. They have um, Adam Thielen. They have their tight ends. They have a good offensive system. And they're literally one coach away from being a top five offense because of the talent that they have on that roster. They're, the reasons being that they're not a top five offense is disgusting to say the least. You know, it's, it's baffling. They're talking about the talent that they have. Um, and Cousins is not a bad quarterback. He just makes a lot of bad decisions. I guess that was based off the play calling that was in Minnesota. So maybe you bring in a play caller that does, does really well with the offense, knows offense schemes, and knows how to really move the chains. You bring somebody in there from Minnesota, you talk about a Vikings team that will be dominant coming into 2022-2023 season in the NFL. Um, I think the Vikings is the most interesting team to look at. If you're, looking, if you're a head coach looking for a job, you know, understand that Kirk Cousins may not be your your choice as a QB, but there are a lot of options on that team that you can make a lot of moves and definitely excel on that on the on in this coming season with a good coach. Uh, and I think something coaches should look at. Um, Zay, can you tell them why you like Jacksonville? Because I don't want it to be, oh, he's bugging. I'm not the only one bugging here. Zay, oh, what do you see in Jacksonville that you like like me? No, that's that's the truth though. You, you what you said was correct because Jacksonville, you get the most leeway. I mean, like right now, you look at that roster. That roster's not set for no uh, championships. They're not set for succession. You get five wins in the season, you're getting praised. You know that's something in Jacksonville. That's all you really need. But also, um, like little, like um Zach said about the Giants, you rebuild Jacksonville. You you get looked at as a hero. You 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 build statues for getting seven wins in Jacksonville. But the yeah. thing is, is that like since you have the most cap space, you have the most to work with. You have um basically all leeway to do stuff because Urban Meyer did such a terrific job that you once you walk in there, you're gonna be looked upon as the guy who saved this organization from already there's already below there's already a rock bottom and Urban Meyer built a new rock bottom for that Jaguars team. And I think right now you go in there, you go in there confident, you go in there knowing your stuff, knowing your talk, and build the trust for that locker room, you're already sweeping the floor. And people are gonna forget about Urban Meyer because as soon as he walked into the locker room, the guys didn't like him. <laughs> Nobody liked him in the locker room. Yep. So Lil made a great point about Jacksonville being more one of the more um lucrative destinations because you have so much leeway cap space. Um, the owner it will back you no matter what. You know, clearly he gave Urban Meyer all that leeway. You're going to expect the next coach to get the same kind of look.
Yo, yeah, Zay got me, the crown. Zay got the crown on that one because you get more leeway with more time and more assets to work with. Zach, talk to me. Yeah, I would just say for me, like, <laughs> maybe I'm just not. I'm just going by history, man. Like, the Jaguars, I, I, I think of that logo and I just think losers. Like, like I'm really not going to lie. Like, yep. like, like, since. First of all, since Shad Khan has owned the team, like, they've, look at their records, like, they've only been good one year, and it immediately fell apart, like, they could have gone to the Super Bowl, like, they lost that game, and bang, it all fell apart, and literally, like, this Yeah, is, but that, that was when who was the quarterback, boy? Okay, no, I get it, but, like, Jalen Ramsey, like, the whole team, like, Miles Jack, oh, okay. like, the whole, Tevin uh, Brown, like, the whole, uh, that whole team just fell apart, so... Uh, no, I think, I, th th you're right about that. Like, you're right. like I, I just think the Jag, like that is just a destination. Like, like I'm sorry, I just want, I would not, would not want anything to do with that. If you're an NFL head coach, like this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Like this is a, an opportunity that you need to take advantage of because if it doesn't work, like odds are you're not going to get another job again. And Jacksonville is not the place I want to go if I, if my job is to win games. I know the Giants are are not a very well. They have nothing right now. I totally understand that. But I think the New York football giants, like, they've at least won. Like, they, like I know it's been a while, but up until 2012, 2013, like, they were the football royalty. Like, they mm. four Super Bowls. And it's New York. Like, come on. Like, New York City, if you turn around the New York football giants with two top ten picks, like, the bar is so low. Like, Joe Judge was... He even considered himself a hero after he won six games his first year. If you could just, like, do what Brian Flores did with his first year in the Dolphins, like, you know how New York gets. You know, we all know how it is. The New York football giants. I think that I would rather go there than a place like Jacksonville. But when you mm. think about it, though, I will say this. Brian Flores, you talked about the Dolphins being irrelevant for de for decades. I mean, same as the Jaguars. Maybe not as bad, but the Jaguars did have some pop-up AFC Championship appearances in this decade. When no, I was, I was about to say, I wish you have that to cover up for. So, yeah, the Dolphins, I, I can't tell. What else do you have to offer? So you get the right coach there, you get more time. If you're the Giants, if you go to, a, to the Giants, if you fail... You got to deal with that media pressure. They're coming yeah. after your behind with oh, sticks. Right. They're going to want your head on a silver platter. That's what <laughs> they're going to want. Bring in his head to me. That's what they're going to say. But if you go to the Jaguars and you at least get six wins, you got money. You set up for another win. Look at their record. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and their conference is easier. The Colts, Carson Wentz, bro, really? Carson Wentz, hey. Colts. I mean, the yeah. Texans, really? Yeah, we don't want to talk about that here. <laughs> we really only got to worry about the Titans, bro. So it's like you, you got more leeway. I think Bill O'Brien is a name that fits well with that environment over there in Jacksonville. I don't know why, but sometimes... Like, would you really think that would work, though, like Bill O'Brien to the Jaguars? He's a good like, coach. Nope. He's a good coach. He just made a terrible move when he got up the... When he became general manager and, and head of operations. That's when he became... A nightmare, but he was a good coach. He got his yeah. team to the playoffs. No, no, of course. I, I, I just wouldn't bet. Uh, I'm not saying you're wrong. I, I just wouldn't bet on that ending well. I wouldn't. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Um, we're actually going to take another quick break in the huddle. Always good talking about uh, these topics when it comes to Black Monday. But when we come back, we're going to get into the Sunday night game as the Raiders uh, edged out the Chargers in overtime. One of the crazier week uh, 18, 17 games we've ever seen. We're going to get into Brandon Staley's decision. We'll be right back in the huddle. Can you day sports radio? Welcome back in the huddle, Can You Dig Sports Radio. My name is Zach Kroll. I'm joined with my guy, 
the real will along with isaiah bermuda and uh james fanizi here in the huddle can you dig sports radio we have a great show going talking all things nfl and this is the topic we all wanted to get into the aftermath of the sunday night football game between the chargers and the raiders and um for zay and, and james you know you guys missed this but last uh two weeks ago man after the uh chargers lost to the texans i i just went off on brandon staley like I, I don't know where it came from but i just lit this guy and i took him to town and uh i have a couple thoughts on the game and, and i thought i'll start the segment off i have a lot to say so here we go i still just cannot believe his call to go for it on fourth and, fourth and two from his own 18 yard line it is one of the most horrific calls considering the circumstances of that game in the history of the nfl there's no math equation that you could tell me that makes that call like doable there's no that that, that is coaching malpractice that is the dumbest thing i've ever seen and the timeout at the end of the game like i understand you could give him some heat like i don't really know what the raiders would have done if they would have stopped Josh Jacobs on that third down play, but it's like he called a timeout, and when you do that, it gives the other coach an opportunity to reconsider and to talk it over with his assistants. And I really do think that's what happened. Like the Raiders, once they got that first down, like I don't think Staley knew what he was doing. He just called the timeout because he thought they'd be able to stop the run, and I get it. He didn't want them to get into field goal range, but man, like. It was just crazy to me that that call, and it t- it reminded me, Lil. You 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 will remember this game very well. In the Super Bowl, the Patriots Seahawks Malcolm Butler Super Bowl, right? At the end of that game, when the Seahawks were driving down the field, right? There's one image that that, that always stays in my mind, right? On one sideline, you have Pete Carroll going bananas, like he's jumping up and down, he's going crazy, he's just like his hair is on fire. And then on the other side, I'm like, you have Bill Belichick, and like he's just there, he's sitting, he's absorbing the game, he's patient. Sometimes football is all about patience, and sometimes the toughest thing about patience is like, when you get under pressure, you just start to immediately act, but sometimes you just gotta re- relax and take a deep breath. Now, I know that the call was terrible, but Brandon Staley's defense is a joke. The Raiders' offensive line has really struggled all season, and the Raiders just ran the ball down the Chargers throat between Mariota between Josh Jacobs I really do think that the right thing happened I really do think the Raiders deserve to win that game because Brandon Staley doesn't deserve to go to the playoffs the fact that that the, that the Chargers were even in this to, in this position to begin with like I still can't get over that they went nine and eight who are the other teams that went nine and eight the Eagles like Jalen Hurts is their quarterback like he is not the best thrower of the football the Dolphins went nine and eight. Their quarterback is Tua. He has a weak arm. The but, Saints, yet, but yet the Eagles are in the playoffs. True, but like, come on, you have Justin Herbert. Like the the Saints, they had a million quarterbacks. They went nine and eight. The Chargers went nine and eight with Justin Herbert. And after watching that game, and after watching him the past two years, how can you not say that Justin Herbert is a star? Yet he wasn't a big enough star to carry his average head coach, who's just obsessed with going for it on every fourth down. And Brandon Staley could tell me all he wants about the process and how it's not about the results. It's about the process. Well, enjoy the process this week, buddy, from home when you're sitting at home doing nothing when other teams are in the playoffs. Because you could tell me results don't matter. That's BS. This is a black and white league. You win or you lose. You make the playoffs or you don't. And they didn't make the playoffs. And I'm genuinely curious 
what is the difference between Brandon Staley and Anthony Lynn? And I, like most people, didn't think that Anthony Lynn was very good and that the Chargers made the right decision getting rid of him. But one thing I will say, his teams were tougher than this. I feel like Anthony Lynn is coaching this team to the playoffs because this Charger team was just soft. How are you soft when your coach is a defensive coordinator? I don't get it. I don't understand how teams could get that soft. And watching this guy coach, like, I think he's in a little bit over his head. And it makes sense. He just seems like the smartest guy in the room to me. And I couldn't imagine being an owner and feeling good about this guy as my head coach when guys like Brian Flores and Doug Peterson, who won a Super Bowl, are on the market. Like, besides going for it on fourth down, like, what does Brandon Staley do? I just don't get it. And I'll end on this. Like, part of my media, part of my anger is, like, the media is really he just, they just eat his his whole act up it's exhausting it's so predictable and then you watch him in the biggest moment and he gets clowned by an interim head coach who is a career special teams coach and i'm so happy for rich Asaccia and the raiders but man like i, I just could not imagine having that guy as my coach i, I, I really couldn't Zach, you could do me a favor and um read that beautiful question there for me so we can lob it up to these hosts here on the mic I got you, man. Question is, is Brandon Staley's game management responsible for the Chargers missing the playoffs? Uh, can you want me to go off real quick? And, uh, go right I don't, ahead, I don't even need. I, I'm, I'm going to say this, right? and I'm going to say this good. This says what Brandon Staley was doing this entire season. When it was going well, it was applauded. He was doing the analytics, yada, yada, yada. And unfortunately, this is his responsibility for the reason why the Chargers are not in the playoffs, that is just what it is. You know, you, the the cardinal rule is that you you play to win the game. I understand, but you don't go for it a fourth. Like they are not every possession. Like it, it just doesn't happen. You know, like sometimes kicking the field goal is good. Sometimes just you know you don't have to go for a fourth every single time. And I think that's something that Brandon Staley I think did understand throughout the season. I think I think like I told Lil, it would it's similar to the Ravens. If you would kick the field goal in some of these games. They'll be in the, in the playoffs and not have to play these games where this game decides if they make the playoffs or not. You know, I think it's just as simple as that. And it's unfortunate that um, Ben Staley the entire season has done just that. You know, go for it in a fourth, make a lot of questionable plays, plays that are not traditional in the NFL yet. You know, I don't know if that next season more coaches will start going for it on fourth or more coaches will, will start um, going for twos and all the other stuff. You know, you did a lot of unconventional things that head coaches don't really do. I think that's something that Brandon Stanley has stood strong on this entire season, him and amongst other coaches this season. I just think Brandon Stanley, um, I've, I said it though before the season started or even during the season, uh, the Chargers are a young team. You know, he's he's an um, inexperienced play caller and this is his first season really as a play caller for a full team. And I think this is something that he is a, is a, is a learning curve. And hopefully next season he learned, he learned his lesson this season by costing his team a playoff um, opportunity, and I think next season he'll learn from those mistakes. And that's just what it is. You know, Bill Belichick didn't come into the league a stout. You know, he had had a bad season with it. He had a bad head coaching sense in order to learn from him to then become the Hall of Fame coach that he is now. But, you know, it takes time for coaches to really understand, and it takes their bumps and bruises. This is one of those bumps and bruises, and next season I expect them to be a lot better. I think Stanley has, is going to have a lot more um, – uh, not expertise. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, responsibility. Responsibilities. Expectations. There's gonna be a, a higher expectation for Staley going into next season. Um, like I said, the Chargers had a lot of upside 
coming into the season, but they didn't anticipate Mike Williams being the guy that he became during the season, and um, Austin Eckler being the running back, you know, still standing up to where he, where he was at. Uh, so I think this uh, is a learning curve, and I think, like I said, he needs to take the bulk of the responsibility for them not making the playoffs. I do feel like he is to blame, and I think he needs to wear it on his shoulders, you know, and just say, you know, my fault, guys, next season we're going to do it better, and uh, that's all you can look forward to. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, Zay. And Zach, I do agree with the Boba View. He absolutely is to blame as why the Chargers are not in the playoffs. But I'm going to take it from this angle here. The fact that I'm sure everybody saw Rich Versace's press conference after the game. The fact that he was asked about whether or not they were going to settle for a tie. And without even letting him finish the question... He said yes, they were considering it. I think that tells you all, the, all you need to know. I think it tells you how complacent he is. Now, I'm not knocking the guy, because I think he is... I actually think Brandon Staley is actually a pretty good, not great, but good head coach. I said I think he has the potential to be great, but I need to see a little bit more from him. But that decision, that late timeout, absolutely cost the charger. Brandon Staley, he robbed us from seeing Justin, Justin uh, Herbert, I was going to say Justin Fields for a second, I keep thinking the Cubs, my apologies, but he robbed us of seeing Justin freaking Herbert in the playoffs. If, can you imagine what he'd be in the playoffs? He's already going to be a superstar as it is in this league, but imagine come playoff time, if we see what this kid's capable of, We'd be, we'd be bouncing off the walls about this topic here. And the fact that this guy absolutely robbed us of that opportunity to see this kid in the playoffs, that's what bothers me the most. <laughs> Yo, it's, it's crazy. I don't mean to laugh, but um, let me read the, let me reread the question. Because I want to be specific here because it's going to determine my answer. Is Brandon Staley's game management responsible for the Chargers missing the playoffs? And I want to make it clear. Game management. So I can answer my take and... I already know intent is going to go up, but hey, I'm reading the question. I'm going to answer it. I'm one of the type of people I think for myself and I say with my chest. That's the individual I am. I'm not a trendy guy. Clearly, I don't go with trends. Think for myself, say with my chest. That's me, and I'm going to say with my chest right now. Now, his game management is not to blame for the Chargers missing the playoffs. That will be the terrible one defense that they have. That's who to blame. Now, if that falls back on Brandon Staley, then yes, it's Brandon Staley. But it's that one defense. That's more to blame. When you're ranked 30th, in the league, that's a terrible run defense. Let's look at the stats here. Let's go by stats. The run defense allowed 100 yards on the ground, 12 of 17 games this season. They gave up 174 yards on the ground to Josh Jacobs with broken ribs, who had an eclipse 100 yards, I think, one time this season, if, if that. Yes, going for it on the 18-yard line is a terrible call. But so is giving up a run on 30-23. That's equally as bad. What the hell are you doing? 30-23, the drive before halftime. Josh Jacobs get a first down, running the football on 30-23. That's equally as worse. No, that's Ryan, fair. That's fair. Come on. Like, literally, what we do here? Also, to be fair, to be fair, the Chargers went for it 35, 34 times in 2021. And a lot of people say, oh, well, you're fumbling analytics. You're fumbling analytics. Okay, cool. All right. Uh, That's that. And, 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 and analytics, my ass. Like, if, 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 if we're looking at the Chargers football, baseball, is this what we're doing here? Like, come on. Like, to be fair, the Chargers went for it on fourth down 34 times in 2021. It converted 64.7% of them, which is fourth in the NFL. This team 
in this Raiders game, converted six out of seven fourth downs in this game, including five fourth and tens. Right? And you know what's crazy? Because we can look at that. They made it. Most teams, I don't care if it's Kansas City, Tampa Bay, they're not making all those fourth downs. So why the hell did they do that in Kansas City? They made for five times, they didn't make none. But they made six out of seven and five fourth and tens. That means they can execute this. So let's substitute game management and replace it with execution. They didn't execute on some of these four downs, but clearly they showed us when they needed it on the last play of the game in various points of the fourth quarter that they can do it. So why didn't they do it in other situations? That falls back on the execution. Brandon Staley clearly trusts his guys to make the play. Do you know what kind of career Justin Herbert is having right now? You probably don't. You probably know from the outside, oh, he's a good quarterback. Oh, really? How good? I'm talking about the greatest start to any quarterback in NFL history with passing yards of 9,150, passing touchdowns of 69, the best first two seasons ever by any quarterback. You mean to tell me that you don't want that guy, that ball in his hands to win you a game? And you want to throw your run defense that's ranked 30th out there to get decimated on 30 and 23? I would rather have my ball in that guy's hands. The, the biggest, the best quarterback as far as these stats is concerned to any start of any quarterback in NFL history. I want that guy having the ball in his hands with a chance to win me a damn game. So, yeah, could you criticize him for some of the calls that he made? Of course. I'm not going to say and deny that. I am the real Lil. But at the same time, that run defense needs to be fixed if they want to go anywhere because if you have guys that with crack ribs that's running for 174 yards and that's a problem on 30 23 that's a problem now back to that last second call whatever the last 35 seconds call james we got to think logically here because if it was so right let's hypothetically right let's go down and route the conspiracy talk right if this guy really was going to kick that fit or not kick the field goal but be content with a tie on a 46-yard line with one of the best field goal kickers in the league, never missed a kick in that stadium. Then you know what Herm Edwards would have done? Herm Edwards would have said, you know what? I'm with Passaccio. Let's meet. Come to my house. Let's have some dinner. He would have invite that guy for dinner, and he would have said, you know what? Bow! He would have smacked the living crap out of him <laughs> because you play to win the game. He would have smacked fire out that guy. Against You're your right about that. You're you, right you, about you that. You're with a tie? And you know I'm going to buy that? No. They was going to run the ball, just like how they ran it the next play. And guess what? The Chargers wasn't going to stop it. You mean to tell me they get 10, 15 yards, they get kicking the field goal? I, I mean, to, 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 be, fair, to be fair to your point, Jaleel, nobody here ever, ever wants to root for a tie. Who roots for a tie? I understand the circumstance was both teams make the playoffs if it ended in a tie, but who is rooting for that? Not Raiders fans, not Charger fans. Nobody's rooting for that. They want to win. Period. Okay. Here's my question, though, and, and, and I, like this is really fascinating to me. I, I, I'm still not sure what exactly happened, but here's the thing, though. Number one, okay, the Raiders, like, okay, both teams the whole game were, were playing to win. Like, that was pretty clear, okay? Yeah. That when the Raiders start that final drive, right, I really do believe if they were trying to win the game, like, I know the Chargers' running defense was bad, but, like, they were throwing the ball, like, too, like, on first down like most of the time and the Raiders first like they got stopped for on first down for a loss of one yard so it, it's second and 11 and, and they run the ball again and and that's when 
leading up to it, like the the you know the, the the Raiders come back on third and four, like I think that run obviously got them into field goal range, and they were like, okay, we're gonna win the field, that we're gonna try to win the game on a field goal. And I understand, like you play to win the game. I hate ties more than anyone, but I'm just trying to think, like if I'm in Basachi's shoes, right, and on that third and fourth play, you get stopped, right, like for a loss of one yard, and instead of a 47 yard field goal. It's like a 56-yard field goal, right? And I understand that it's not likely that it's going to get blocked and it's going to be returned for a touchdown and you're going to lose the game and miss the playoffs because of that. You do have a really good kicker. But the thing is, like, I understand the logic of saying, like, look, like, okay, I understand we don't want to tie. And because of that big run, like, we kicked the field goal, we won the game, great. But if you're trying to kick a 56-yard field goal and you say, look, like, we're guaranteed a playoff spot right now. Like, if we just kneel on this ball and, and this game ends in a tie, like, I really do think that there is a chance if the Chargers just stop Jacobs on that third and fourth play for a loss of a yard and Carlson has to kick a 56-yard field goal instead of a 47-yard field goal. I And based on how the Raiders called their first two plays and how you said, uh, James, when he answered the press conference, you kind of saw it on his face right away. He, he was like, he didn't even let the guy finish. And we saw that video of Austin Eckler after the game. The, the, the Raiders long snapper told him, like, oh, yeah, like, we're like we're gonna, we're about to uh, let the clock run out and the game is going to end in a yeah. tie. And I think that's where Brandon Staley, like, that's where a little bit of blame comes in because to be honest, based on that timeout, I think Brandon Staley was using the attitude of, I'm playing to win the game. I'm doing whatever I can to stop that run. And once again, when that timeout is called, that gives the Raiders the opportunity, their whole coaching staff to like talk this over and think about it. And and, and they and based on the Chargers personnel, they took Murray out of the game. They put Linval Joseph in. They changed their run defense. And the Raiders changed their play. Like That's how play calling in the NFL works. When you see the defense's personnel, like, you're going to change your call based on that. So I do think when you combine Staley's decision to give the Raiders another opportunity to talk about it and a, a chance to run a play combined with the fourth and two decision at the 18-yard line, like, it's hard for me not to say that he didn't uh, cost Dad, them a spot. I literally spent five minutes reading out all these stats about how bad this run defense is, was, and in that game in particular. They gave up a third and 23. It's more than likely they're not stopping Jacobs for a loss a yard on third and four. They did. I mean, they, they probably would have got. They, they would have had on this play. They're going to play after. They got their whole lineup in, right? That's what Staley said. I got my lineup in there. Okay, cool. He still got gashed. Had they got stopped, that's debatable. But my thing is they probably would have got stopped because stats show that. The way how Jacobs was playing okay, in so that game and how bad that defense is, they would have got stopped. You get did five you have any yards. Did you have any problem? Like, okay, you're saying the attitude, right? Play to win the game. And by calling that timeout, Staley was using that attitude. Did you have any it's problem with Staley um, kicking the extra point at the end of regulation and not going for two to win the game when you have a chance with Justin Herbert? No, and no, you know no, in no, overtime I'm, I'm, that I'm your run defense is so bad. I'm, I'm curious. I, I'm going to overtime because guess what? The Chargers did end up getting an opportunity to score. They just didn't score the touchdown in the overtime. So, nah, that's dead. What I'm saying is, if you want to tie, tie from the start. Right? Football is so dangerous. Guys can get hurt. You are very thin if you're the Raiders, first of all. Darren Waller was hurt. Came back for this game in particular. Jacobs had cracked ribs. Go for the tie. Chargers, you're inconsistent. You lost to the Texans. You're definitely right. not guaranteed this win. Okay. For the can I ask you, but can you I ask played you 60 else? minutes. Hello? You played 60 minutes of football. You're up 26 to 14 in the fourth quarter. And you mean to tell me you're going to let the Chargers come back so you can tie? 
Bye. Okay, right, but here's the thing, though. We've spoken a lot about how a tie, like, obviously the, the impact it would have had uh, on the league, and, and if the Raiders and Chargers would have done that, right, if they, if they would have just kneeled out and, and wouldn't have played, right, I think that, like, we could all agree, like, Roger Goodell would have been pretty pissed, and there would there would have been some, like, pretty bad ramifications to that. Just definitely, definitely. Right, there, there would be, right? Okay, but here's the thing, though. I really do believe if, like, in overtime, right? Like, I don't know how you guys felt live watching the game, right? I'm just going uh, how I felt. I really did feel like after the Raiders ran the ball, the first two plays of that drive, I really did think they were playing for the tie. Like, like I, I really did think so. That, that's, and, that's what I thought, too. Yeah, and, and the Chargers, like, to, at first, the first two plays, like, they were kind of on the same page. And then Staley calls the timeout, and, and I really do think that gave the Raiders an opportunity and their coaches to to, to change the, the game plan. And, like, I understand Staley's run defense was terrible the whole game, and maybe the Raiders, uh, you know, get there is a good chance they, they get Bro, the first down the to play. begin with. They ran the same play that they was lined up to run on the previous play. You mean to tell me a timeout is like, oh my, oh, he called the timeout. Why he did that? Now I'm going for the win? Well, no, no, no. The they ran the same on. play. They the literally Chargers ran the same out, play. No, the Chargers came out with a different defensive look. They had Murray in the game. They put Linval Joseph in, right? The, the, the Chargers had five, an extra defensive lineman. They had five guys on the line, right? The Raiders, when they saw that, they ran the ball to the, the other side. And and that's they, they weren't running the same play. And that's what got them the first down. They were going to run the ball, period. Bro, they were not in their formation. They was going to run the damn ball. They would have got five, seven yards. And you mean to tell me they was going to bypass that field goal with two timeouts in 30 seconds? Well, well here's probably 15 seconds. But, but the Raiders were throwing. They had two like, timeouts, bro. But, they get yeah, a ball twice. The Raiders were first throwing, down another time. The Raiders were throwing the ball like the whole like I really think the Raiders were just saying like we're just trying to get then why as close to, to the forty six yard line. And if Jacobs breaks the run, great. But if not, why knows? why get to the forty six yard line? I mean, I, to, to to because the only way you lose if is if you give the Chargers another chance. The clock is a factor here too. The, the Raiders were, I think, the Raiders were being aggressive to start that drive off because they knew, like, they didn't want to give Herbert another opportunity to win the game because if, if mm. they punt, they're, they're probably going to lose. So they were letting Carr make things like this, and then as soon as they got into midfield when they knew they could control the clock, they I think they kind of caved. But the Chargers' I, I, run defense was so bad. The thing is like this, and we have to look at football from a logic perspective. It reminds me of halftime situations, right? Two-minute drills or one-minute drill in halftime. One minute left to go before halftime. What do most coaches do on the first play? They probably throw a screen route or they run the football, see how much yards they get, and that will alter their thinking of, all right, should we put up points on this drive before halftime or did we get stuff and we like, all right, listen, we ain't going nowhere. Let's play to go to halftime. My thing is I'm looking at that play just like that. That third and four, Let's see if we get a first down here, get some get some more yards, and now we in field goal range. When they broke that run, that was like, you know what? We broke a run. Now we in field goal range. Let's win the game. Why are we playing for Tiles when we're about to win the game? So even if his mindset would have been, I, right, you know, he stopped us for a loss, you know, previously. Okay, cool. I'm content with a tie. What I'm saying is that the Chargers was not going to stop them either way to the point where he would have been like, you know what? Now we in field goal range. I got two timeouts. Now my thinking has changed. Because had he got stopped, you probably playing for the tie. You probably not kicking that long field goal. But if you got the yardage, then you have two timeouts. You could run another play. Because you still have time to run two plays. That's mm -hmm. how I'm looking at it. Yeah, and I, I think whatever perspective you look at it from, like, 
the bottom line is Staley is a defensive guy. Like he was the Rams' defensive coordinator, and, and and that's where I'm confused. Like as a defensive coordinator, like your his team is just so weak. Like Mike, Mike Vrabel is a young defensive coach. Like his teams are tough. Brian Flores, Sean McDermott, like these guys are defensive minds, and, and their teams are tough. And the Chargers were just so soft. It was crazy. Yeah, I've 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 got nothing. I this was this was the Leland Zach show on this topic. I mean, I've got. I've got nothing else to add, boys. I mean, I think you both made salient points. I, I still think Brandon Staley was definitely to blame here. But, hey, at the end of the day, we can't get inside these guys' heads. We don't know why exactly they did what they did. But I just wanted to see Justin Herbert in the playoffs. And th this guy just ruined it for me. That's all I got to say. One more quick thing I wanted to say about the game. Uh, what a moment for Derek Carr. I'm very happy yes. for him. Yeah, uh, he, he finally led his team to the playoffs. I'm super happy for yeah, him. Yeah, uh, this is a guy that's been through a lot. Like, I, I really respect and love, like, how much pride he takes in being the quarterback of the Raiders, even though, like, the Raiders of as an organization, like, have just been, like, such a dumpster fire over the past, like, 20 yeah. years. Between, obviously, like, the Gruden experiment, like, Henry Ruggs, like, they're just a bad organization. And, like, it's crazy because, like, think about this. Like, when Gruden got there, like, his first two moves were trading Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper. Like, when he had a good young quarterback yeah. in Derek Carr. And this year, like, somehow with Zay Jones and Hunter Renfro and a terrible offensive line and, and an interim head coach, like, Derek Carr helped uh, get the Raiders to the playoffs. It's just such a cool story. The Can You Dig It Sports Radio Network is here. Revolutionize the game of media. We'll be moving on, speaking of the Raiders, to our next topic. We'll quickly preview the NFL playoff games to end today's show. We'll give some predictions as well. Um, the first game is going to be Raiders, as the team we just uh, spent a lot of time talking about. They're going to be taking on the Cincinnati Bengals. This will be the 5-4 versus four matchup in the AFC. And, uh, James, I'll throw it over to you to start off. Uh, what are your early thoughts on this? And if you want to give a prediction as well, feel free. <sighs> oh, man, this game's going to be a doozy. All right, first of all, we brought up Derek Carr earlier. We were just talking about him. Listen, I love the fact that he finally led the Raiders to the playoffs. And that was the one question. Can he lead this team to the playoffs? And he finally got that hump off of his back. But this Bengals team is for real, man. I mean, Joe Burrow, Jamar, Jamar Chase, uh, T. Higgins. You know, you've got a whole plethora of weapons. They're just a dynamic offense. And the reason why I think... This is not my official prediction right yet, but right now at least. But the Bengals definitely have the advantage offensively here because of that connection between Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. I mean, I initially questioned them drafting Jamar Chase. I initially thought that they should have gone offensive line to protect to protect Joe Burrow so this way he doesn't suffer another knee injury. But obviously the Bengals knew something that we didn't. And hey, turns out that we're all eating crow because Jamar Chase has been absolutely lighting it up for the Bengals. This kid is going to be an absolute problem for many guys around the league. But with that being said, this is going to be an interesting matchup between both quarterbacks. But at the end of the day, no disrespect to Derek Carr, but the Bengals are winning this game. I think this is the year that the Bengals finally get that playoff pump off of their back. They finally win at least one playoff game, and they're going to win this game. 30 to 20. Say, hey man, I think the Cincinnati Bengals are for real. And I think when I look at this team, like, um, look at the receiving corps, they probably arguably have the, if arguably, 
if not the best, one of the best receiving cores in this entire playoffs. And they're, they're, they're for real, they're serious, and I'm not even referring to Joe Mixon. You know, Joe Mixon was a buzzer. Oh, I, I forgot about him. Talk they're, about another one. Yeah, like 1,200 rushing yards, 13 yeah. touchdowns. This guy was the killer. So this the entire offense is serious, and if they're coming in hungry, ready to play, they can literally destroy the Raiders, and I think they will. I think the Bengals are actually going to win 34-7. to 7. Wow. Wow. wow, wow, wow. Only no, seven no. points by the Raiders. Damn. Okay. Wow. Uh, okay, so I'll say this. I actually think of all the first-round games, like, this does have a chance to be a very good game. I, I do think it is kind of a 50-50 game. I, I really do. Okay. I agree. Um, I agree. If I were to tell you in August that one of the Raiders or the Bengals would be in the second round of the playoffs, like, I, don't, I just don't think you would have believed me. I mean, maybe the Raiders, like, they made some progress last year, but they also went 8-8 eight and eight and missed the playoffs by three games like was anyone True. picking the raiders to make the playoffs no the bengals i feel like if they would have won seven games like it would have been considered a good season by most and they're hosting a playoff game after winning the afc north that is an incredible accomplishment um they played about a month ago in vegas and the bengals bullied them pretty well i would expect this game to be closer and i really do think the raiders have a, a, a chance to win uh this is both of these quarterbacks first playoff game I think it's going to be close. I'm, I'm going to side with the Bengals. I, I think they're at home playing with Burrow. You know, he's a star. I, you know, it's unfortunate that one of these two teams' season has to end because I'm a big fan of, of both. Uh, but I think playing at home, the Bengals haven't won a playoff game in about 30 years, maybe even more, I think. Yeah. So uh, I think they break out of the hump and beat the Raiders. Yeah, the, their last playoff win was, I think, in like 95, I believe, was the last time they won a playoff right, game. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, to be noted here, the Raiders had four playoff games in a row, you know, basically, after being um, six and seven. If four playoff games, you have to win it all, and they went ten and seven, so they won those games, so they're already in the playoffs. Yeah. In their minds, they are in the playoffs already. They've been playing in the playoffs in their minds. The Bengals, though, when I look at the Bengals, and I look at their offensive line, it's still not good. Like, they do have some issues and holes on the interior, and I think the Raiders can exploit that. With Max Crosby and Yannick Ngakwe They can exploit mm. that and get to Joe Burrow When you look at Burrow This guy has been sacked 55 times this year He has the most hits among any quarterback in the league You know, credit Zach Taylor For two weeks ago against the Chiefs He did something very interesting Or should I say interesting He, he, he had um, lots of five-man protections And he trusted Burrow's ability to get the ball out fast And that's one thing that he's probably going to have to do With that pass rush You saw what Max Crosby did in that game against the Chargers, how he affected Justin Herbert. That could be Joe Burrow with a more bad offensive line there. So, if the Bengals want to win this game, they need Joe Mixon to be that catalyst for this team. They need to take some of that pressure off of Joe Burrow from that pocket and be able to run that ball with Joe Mixon, which Joe Mixon has, he has his days when he looks like a top 10 back, you know, in the league. And I think that he'll be able to produce for them but one thing I want to say about the, the Raiders here is that the Raiders are playing well, and that's scary. But I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to pick this game. I like the Bengals to win this game 28-24. to 24. I think it's going to be a close game. I agree with Zach 50-50, and I won't be shocked that the Raiders win. But I'm going to go with the Bengals because I think they got more talent. The Raiders, when they when they put up points, it's like they're trying. It's like, it's like a... I don't know how to explain it. It's like you're forcing the points on the board because things are not so easily done with the Raiders and how they got to put up the points. They don't got that explosiveness that the Bengals, their counterparts do. 
The Bengals got a lot of explosiveness, and they could score like that. I like the Bengals 28-24. to All right, uh, moving on to the nightcap. This is going to be a good one. The three match of the AFC East rivalry, the Patriots and the Bills. Uh, I'll start this one off. I have a couple of thoughts. I got to be honest. I don't love uh, Mac Jones in this spot. It is getting cold. Uh, the weather is going to be in the teens, potentially in the snow. Now, if it gets so windy where, like, they don't have to throw the ball, like that Monday night game, like, maybe they have a chance. But more than likely, like, they're going to have to throw the ball more than three times in order for the Patriots to win this game. And I'll throw an interesting uh, take for everyone out there. I'll throw it out there. I think for as great as the SEC is in college football, and it is, like their top teams are elite every year. The SEC just dominates the SEC or dominates college football. But I bring it up because they don't play in cold games. Like their geography of their schools are just in warm weather places. And you compare that to like Justin Fields, He's playing at a Big Ten school like Ohio State. I feel like there are more parallels in terms of weather of the Big Ten to the NFL. And a football pet peeve of mine is if you're the Jets, if you're the Giants, if you're the Patriots, if you're the Bills, if you're any team that plays in the East Coast, you need a quarterback with a big arm in order to be successful because that weather could really hinder you. And like Josh Allen... Tom Brady in New England, like Eli Manning in New York, like the Jets took Zach Wilson, like he has a big arm. I think that characteristic like has a lot to do with why they took him. And like in a playoff game on the road, I just don't trust Mac Jones like to make enough plays to win. And I never feel great going against Bill Belichick, like especially as an underdog, but I don't trust his quarterback. And his quarterback just hasn't been playing well lately. Like he threw a pick six against the Dolphins. I do think it's fair to ask if he's hitting a little bit of a rookie wall, and that would be understandable, even for Alabama standards, playing 18 to 19 weeks in the NFL is much different than playing 13 to 14 weeks in college. I really do think like that extra th- uh, four to five weeks, like that's basically an extra month of football. And for a 23-year-old rookie quarterback, that's a lot. And when you're a quarterback, like all the pressure is on you as soon as you walk into the building, he's had an awesome season, and I really do respect Mac Jones a lot, despite like not loving his game. And despite that, like there's just no way in the world I could pick him to win a road playoff game. I would be taking the Buffalo Bills. I want to get right in here because even though what Zach said wasn't wrong, you know, I think when we look at it from alternate ways, we could kind of like just kind of like expand on what he was saying. For example. Mac Jones, yeah, I agree to the point that I don't think he's built to win these type of games in cold weather. Now, he hasn't played in cold weather. That's that's cool, and that's true. Also, when you look at the rookie wall situation, I don't think it's a rookie wall. I think what it is is that the Patriots is asking him to do more. Remember, they will run the football. They will play defense. That's how they won games. Mac Jones never did nothing spectacular. He had a couple throws where he threw some beautiful balls, but it was nothing eye-popping. When did he ever throw for like 300, 400 yards? It, it was ever never really done like that, right? So it's because they asked him to do more because they know he's going to have to do more in the playoffs. So towards the end, we got to let you cook at some point. Can't just wait to the biggest game of your life for you to cook up. And that's why we see some of those rookie struggles, just like everybody else in this class, because they were actually do more from the start. Now, when you look at... Josh Allen, even though I had my worries with Mac, I had my worries not with Josh Allen specifically because he played in Cole. He played in Wyoming. And in fact, in that matchup that they had in that gutsy weather, that frigid weather, he was throwing the football nice um, for that condition. But at the same time, the Buffalo Bills are not built to play in their own habitat. 
when you have frigid weather and wind and bad weather, it causes for you to run the football. The reason why the Patriots won that Monday night game at Buffalo was not because they were the better team, but because they were the best equipped to adjust to Mother Nature. That's why they won that game. And if they can do that in this game and adjust to Mother Nature in ways that the Bills can in their own stadium, then we're going to have a problem here. However, I do think that Josh Allen will make enough plays with a strong arm to Stephon Dix to get over the hump. I'm going Buffalo just like Zach. I'm going Buffalo 20-17. to 17. I think um, y'all both made great points about how what Mac Jones has done for the Patriots so far this season and what he hasn't done um, so far this season. Uh, I think I think right now is going to be the biggest. The lights will be the brightest, and I don't know if Mac Jones will be ready for uh, the for the Buffalo Bills. But I know Bill Belichick will be, and that's why I'm picking the Patriots to win this game. I think um, Bill Belichick has seen enough of these games. To know what to, what needs to be done coming up on Saturday, and I think there's something that um, he's ready for. I think this is a big game for both teams. I think Josh Allen it was also um, stifled the first time they played back in Buffalo, and I, I don't think he's looking to disappoint the fans either. But I think Bill Belichick just has a couple tricks up his sleeve to um, hinder what this Buffalo Bills team can do, and he knows that this Buffalo Bills team does not like to run the ball often. So I think they're going to try to force him to throw as much as possible and make some uh, pretty um, bad mistakes. And I think that's what's going to really cost the Bills in this game. It's not going to be the Patriots' um, run game. is going to be more the Bills making some mistakes, some a lot of head-scratching plays that's going to help the Patriots win this game. I think that's going to help uh, That's going to help them. And I think the Patriots will win low-scoring, 14-10. It's, it's not going to be higher than that. Well, I'll make this quick because I know we're running out of time here. Bills are winning this game 30 to 10. I, I don't trust I don't trust New England in that type of environment. I love Mac Jones. I love Bill Belichick, but they ain't getting the job done in that environment. Give me the Bills 30 to 10. And the next game will be Sunday, 1 o'clock in the NFC. We have the Philadelphia Eagles going on the road to Tampa Bay, taking on the Bucks. And I have to throw this mic one way. Will, our resident Buck guy. Here on In the Huddle, I'm going to ask you, man, what are your thoughts on your Buccaneers going into this one, and what's your prediction? Buck it up, bro. Buck it up. <laughs> That's what I can say. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a very interesting game, bro. You know how I feel about the Eagles. I don't like the Eagles like that. I'm not a fan of them, but, man, I had high praise for them, bro. The way how they was able to turn their season around. One point, looking like they was in a doghouse with so many questions, and those questions was answered. Over the course of time, they've been running the football well, and um, but at the same time, when I look at this matchup, and I look at a, I look at all the possibilities that we could have had in the first round, not to disrespect the Eagles because I think it just speaks to the NFC and how great the NFC is, and these teams in the NFC. Where I would say I would rather I like this matchup more than the 49ers, the Cowboys. I mean, am I saying anything wrong? The Cardinals, the Rams. Like I like this matchup more, and that's not. That's overstating, or should I say understating, how good the Eagles really are. But um, it's going to be a close one. I think that if they're able to win the football, which they're doing so well, they'll have a chance, of course. But our Buccaneers, our defensive line, we are best against the run. Now, granted, the last couple of weeks, we haven't been as great because we've been missing some of these guys on the D-line, but some of these guys are coming back. It's a good sign that we got Leonard Fournette coming back, Levante, David, JPP. Um, Shaq Barrett, I think that that's good. That's a good sign. We need to get healthy, and I think that we can take advantage 
of our defensive line being as good as it is. You're not going to run the ball on Vita Vea. I mean, you're just not. That guy is one of the best players, if not the best player, on our defense because of his presence alone. He can get to the quarterback. He can stop the run. So because we can stop the run, and I think Jalen Hurts is going to have to be Superman for this game, I'm going to go with my Tampa Bay Buccaneers to win this game. I'll give you a score of 28-24. to 24. And before I pass the rock, I just want to say this stat that's very interesting because this matchup clearly is going to be one up front. The Buccaneers are ranked number two in yards and points per game in the league. Crazy offense. But the Eagles are ranked 10th defensively. So it's going to be that type of matchup. But all in all, I'm going to trust the guy that's to be trusted, Tom Brady. Uh, James, what do you think about this one? Philadelphia has the number one rush offense, and Tampa Bay has the number one pass offense. Leo, my guy, the Eagles do not have a prayer against this Bucks team. They are The Bucks are going to wipe the floor with the Eagles, and I don't think it's going to be close. Tom Brady is Tom Brady. I mean, there's absolutely no stopping him in the playoffs. He's clearly on a hunt for an eighth Super Bowl, which, again, is more than any other franchise in football. Okay? If you didn't know that already, he's got seven, which is more than any other team. Okay? This man has more Super Bowl rings than any other team in the NFL, and he's got a great supporting cast around him. And, look, they've missed Leonard Fournette absolute big time. It was absolute of a huge loss that they lost uh, Leonard Fournette. Kobe didn't they just sign um, Le'Veon Bell to the roster? Isn't he going to get some reps in this game? That's what I thought. Okay, thank you, Zach. I see you nodding your head there. Thank you. But listen, the Eagles, look, I give them credit where credit is due. We all thought they were going to be absolutely terrible this season. And now they're in the playoffs at 9-8. and eight. But I'm sorry, they're one and done here. Give me the Bucks 40-7. to seven. Book it. Oh, it was blown off of them in Tampa Bay. Forty to seven, Bucks are winning this game. Damn, no chance. <laughs> Absolutely uh, no prayer, none. I think. And, uh, and, and look, I'm, I'm not just saying that because I'm a Giants fan and I hate the Eagles. I seriously do not think they have a shot against Tom Brady and the Bucks. I'm sorry, they don't. I think uh, it's time for a hot take today. You know, like this. Hey, oh, see, I know this no. guy. I know this guy. Oh, oh man. man. <laughs> hey, listen, man. You've been doing it all year, James. Don't worry about it. Cause I think this is going to be the most embarrassing loss of Tom Brady's career. You know, he has a thing with. He has an issue with the NFC East, apparently. You know, that's just that's just Tom Brady's thing. So I think I want to vomit. The Eagles in particular, bro. Give me the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles. To beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Wow. 24 to 21. Hey. Wow. <laughs> I think, and this is what this is my opinion. I just think the defense of Tampa Bay Buccaneers that Lil said will show up in the playoffs will not show up. I think there's going to be a reverse effect. I think they're going to try to play um, over aggressive. They're going to get a lot of penalties for calls called there, um, against them. There's going to be a lot of plays that's going to allow the Philadelphia Eagles to get points. And I think the Eagles, they're not going to score many touchdowns. They're going to get more field goals than touchdowns leading into touchdowns. And I think Tampa Bay's um, offense is going to be stagnant early on. And I think that's going to allow the Eagles to take a lead. That's going to be a little bit uncomfortable to Tom Brady to the point where it's going to be difficult for the offense to get flowing. I think Philadelphia, they're a very gritty team. They're a team that, that works every minute. Of the, uh, on the field, um, they bring a lot of boneheaded plays, and that's their biggest issue. They're not a very talented team, 
but they're a team that's consistent and they work throughout the entire minute from the first minute all the way down to the last minute of the fourth quarter. And I think that's going to be the biggest downfall for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and it's going to show throughout the game who's really outworking who throughout this game. Tom Brady's a GOAT Hall of Fame quarterback. You all know that. He's the greatest of all time. And I just think this Buccaneers team has been living lavishly based on their schedule. Their schedule has been in their favor throughout the entire season. And I think right now, even against the Eagles, they're, they're, they're going to kind of play it lax and that's going to be their downfall and they're going to lose the game. Oh my God! Zay coming in. God damn, man! I think I think Zach is frozen, man, because I know Zach is frozen <laughs> like that, bro. I know Zach ain't frozen like that, man. Zach, I can't, I can't listen to this. Zach, out of here. Zach, Zach was just Zach was just so freaking mesmerized by that take. Yeah, just literally, he froze. He froze Zay. Froze Zach, bro. Put <laughs> <laughs> that take. You know what I'm saying? Wow. Okay, so I guess I'll respond. I guess we could um, respond to that kill time to get him back up and running. But, um, yeah, he literally froze um, Zach, man. Froze him. Literally froze him out the topic. Literally. <laughs> I mean, look, when you look at it, man, I do think the Eagles got a fighting chance, bro. It's the playoffs. It's one and done. The Buccaneers clearly aren't 100% on both sides of the ball, but we all getting healthier. But I'm just not going to take Jalen Hurts to beat Tom Brady in a playoff game. I'm sorry. Now, mm-hmm. granted, we also have to take into consideration that who did Tom Brady lose his last championship to in the Super Bowl? That would be the Eagles. Yeah, he? the Eagles. He won't revenge, and I'm pretty sure he'll probably throw about a good four touchdowns in this game. And, um, yeah, the Eagles, man. They, and and, and b- by the way, by the way, Leo, that was the one year I actually wanted Tom Brady to win a Super Bowl because I despise the Eagles. I mean, look, bro. That was very interesting right there. That was very interesting. But look, it's going to be a good matchup. And I think when you look at that game, right, as we kill the time here, as, as we look at that game, when the Rams lost that game, I was voting for the 49ers to win that game last week because I knew if the 49ers won, then the Rams would have been the two seed. And we yeah. would have got the best matchup playing the seven seed. So that's why that match was critical. The Rams are probably going to regret not getting into my predictions. But the Rams are probably going to regret losing that game when they was up 17-0 against the 49ers. Because that can change everything. Because the Rams got a tough opponent in the Cardinals. The Buccaneers get the Eagles. Now, if the Buccaneers beat the Eagles, we, are we so certain that the Packers are going to win out? Like, they never really won mm. nothing since 2010. Uh, that, that's, they that's can lose, and the Buccaneers could be the new number one seed. And everything yeah. got to go through Tampa. And we can get healthier. By the weeks that won, the, the weeks that go on is our best friend as far as health. And, mm. man, that's why that game was so critical. And that's why I got to show my love and gratification and gratitude, should I say, to the 49ers for winning that game. Welcome back in the huddle, Kenny Dick Sports Radio. I'll quickly give my prediction on Eagles Bucks. We spoke about it last week. Like, Nick Sariani making the playoffs, I don't think he's getting enough credit. Everyone just hated this guy because he didn't talk well at his first press conference. And if you think about that now, like, we make such a big deal about how you talk at the first press conference. And I understand you have, like, Jim Tom Sula and his era in San Francisco with his press conferences, and they were a joke, but they translated to the field. And the job that Nick Seriani has done on the field with his quarterback, who isn't a very good thrower of the football, and just turning the Eagles into a absolute running machine is very impressive. 
Um, the Eagles have nothing to lose in this game. Absolutely nothing. Like, if they could just keep it close in the second half, like, what a season for Philadelphia. I'm going to pick the Buccaneers to win it. Like, Tom Brady versus Jalen Hurts at the quarterback position, that's not really a fair fight. We saw yeah. them play once earlier this season. Like, um, I think it helps Tampa Bay to get healthy. David, Bernard, uh, Leonard Fournette back, that will help. But I uh, just wanted to say, man, like, hat tip to Nick Sariani. He He's done a hell of a job with the Eagles, and the fact that they're even in this game to begin, to begin with, I really do give them a lot of credit. All right, the next game in the NFC, uh, another NFC East team, and this is really, in my opinion, guys, like, this is the game of the weekend. The game I have circled Sunday, 4.30, rivalry games in the 90s. Like, these two teams, they were going at it. All of the football fans a little bit older than us, they witnessed Madden and Summerall on the call. Aikman versus Montana, Aikman versus Steve Young, 49ers, Cowboys, and uh, this is a big game. Uh, James, as a fellow NFC East fan, I see you nodding your head. You know, I'll throw it over to you to start us off. You know, what are your thoughts on this game? And give me your thoughts on the Cowboys. Oh, boy, I cannot wait for this game, my, my, my man. Listen, what, what can I say about the Cowboys? I mean, <laughs> I would sit here and just be like Stephen A and make fun of their lack of playoff success. But in all honest to God seriousness... I think I trust them more in this game than I do the 49ers. Now, I will give the 49ers credit, as Lou said before we went to um, our last commercial break, that that was a big win for them against the Rams to get in the playoffs. I mean, they were down 17-0, and I got to give Jimmy G credit. He led the charge against that Rams defense. He did everything he could to try and help them win that game. Now, he did have some help, don't get me wrong, but all that was led by Jimmy G, so I got to give him a whole lot of credit. But... Here's the thing. I trust Dak Prescott more than I trust Jimmy G. No disrespect to Jimmy Garoppolo. I get his record as a starter has been great, but it hasn't really been as consistent as we'd like to see Jimmy Garoppolo be throughout his career. So I trust Dak Prescott. I trust that offensive line to help him. I trust the running game and that defense. I mean, my God, I, I can't say enough of how monstrous that defense is Trayvon Diggs might be defensive player of the year I mean that's just how great he's been all season long so at the end he's of the day bro. what's that he's overrated bro you hit him with oh, a double move oh my oh my god <laughs> I'm not lying like I'm, I'm, not, I'm not gonna get into argument with you we've been here we've been here for two hours but that's a ridiculous take that you just that, made that, that, I'm not gonna get into that bro. you seen him get burned bro you take away those interceptions, look at his numbers. He's given up the most yards by any quarterback in the league. That's who fact. cares about that? What do you mean who cares about that? that, that oh, that's a real God. thing. Like, people uh, want to tear him to shreds, bro. Like, come nah, on, bro. Blah, 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 whatever. But at the end of the time, <laughs> yeah, here, like, no, no, no. In, 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 all, in all seriousness, the Cowboys are winning this game. I mean, the, look, the 49ers are going to make it close. It's going to be a close game. I think it's going to come down to a last-second field goal, and I'm taking the Dallas Cowboys, as much as it pains me to do it, but the Cowboys are winning this game 33-30. to I want to uh, shout out my cousin real quickly <laughs> here, because um, he the one that pointed it out to me, because I was on y'all type of timing. Oh, this guy's having a historic year because of all them interceptions, and then he was like, yo, bro, watch Trayvon Dix. Watch the play. Don't watch nothing else. Watch him. And I started watching him, and I'm like, yo, you're right, bro. You hit him with a double move, you're off to the races. It happens so many times. 
since my cousin pointed that out to me. Like, he's literally overrated, bro. It's like he gets the ball thrown to him, and sometimes those are bad passes, you get the interceptions. Credit to him, he knows how to read the play. But you have to throw a good ball. But you put him up against a good wide receiver like a Debo, it's off to the races, bro. He ain't stopping him. I like the 49ers in this game, 38-31. And the reason why I do is because I think that the Cowboys got the worst luck of a draw. This is the worst matchup they could have asked for out of all the matchups there is right now. And the reason why is because, first off, I'll start with the obvious, the king obvious right there, which is the 49ers are playing their best football right now. That's obvious. That's the clear thing. That, that, that I agree with you with. If you're watching football, you know they are. And what has improved tremendously is their defense. Like, they are only giving up 278 fewer yards or fewer yards six times during that stretch that they they turning it around. And also... When you look at that Rams game, the first half, Matthew Stafford looked like Detroit Matthew Stafford. But in that second half, they only give up one big play of 15 yards. Like, they literally shut them down outside of one Cooper Cup touchdown, I believe. Like, they literally shut them down in that second half, and they played tremendous against the Rams' high-octane offense. So when I look at this matchup, I think when you look at it, how could the Cowboys contain Debo's question? Right? Because I do feel, if you take away Debo, you have a good shot to win the game because now you're asking other guys to step up. But that's easier said than done. That's why you got a guy like Kyle Shanahan missing 28-3 there, that him being the offensive genius that he is, is not going to make that simple question easy because he knows how to get the ball to him, whether it be in a slot, whether it be in the backfield, whether it be in space, whether it be because of the running game with Elijah Mitchell. It's just a lethal combination where I feel that nobody has an answer for it yet, and I damn sure don't think the Cowboys will have an answer for it otherwise. They're not going to have Jimmy G in that pocket throwing the ball 30 times per game because they can run the football, they can get the ball out to their playmakers, and that's going to limit guys up front that we know could attack from the Cowboys' perspective. I like the, the 49ers to win this game 38-31 for those reasons. Yeah, so this is the game... I have circled this weekend, uh, like James, like this is going to be a great matchup. I'll get straight to the point, though. I think there's a lot of pressure on Mike McCarthy in this game. Mm. You cannot have the season the Cowboys just had and lose in the first round of the playoffs. Like you No, absolutely game. not. It would be very, very tough for Cowboy fans to just not turn on this dude if he was one and done in the playoffs after the season they just had. Like, all the big wins. Hey, all I'll, the big I'll, just, wins. I'll just say this real quick, Zach. Nothing would make me happier as a Giants fan to see that happen. But go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, all the big wins, like all the big games they've played in on national TV, like as a Giant fan, like Lawrence Taylor, I see the comparison in Micah Parsons. Like he's that good. Offensive scoring. Oh yeah, that that dude's a monster. Uh, their offense is scoring 30 to 40 points a game like some nights when you watch them. But I don't know, man. The 49ers are tough. They have really good blue chip players like Debo, Kittle, Jimmy G, Emmanuel Mosley, Warner, Armstead, Tart, Jimmy Ward, Nick Bosa. These guys have played in a Super Bowl. The 49ers have much more experience in the big game than the Cowboys. And I am actually going to agree with Lil. I do like the 49ers in this game, but if Trent Williams can't play, like that's a problem. I don't yeah. like rookie uh, sixth-round picks having to guard, like, Micah Parsons or having to block Micah Parsons and Lawrence and Gregory. Like, that would just be a very bad matchup. But if you could get, like, the big man in for this game for the Niners, like, I do think they have a good chance to win because, like, it, I think it's this simple. Like, who do you trust more in a big game? 
Kyle Shanahan or Mike McCarthy. Like, it's not 2012. Like, this is 2022. Kyle Shanahan, one thing I'll say about him, like, against the Rams, we saw him get rolling as a play caller. When you're watching the 49ers, right, I feel like you could tell most of the time, like, when their offense is humming and when they really have things going. And I believe Kyle Shanahan and, like, his play calling ability had a big reason to do with why the Rams were able to win that, or the 49ers were able to win that game uh, against the Rams. Like, he does own Sean McVay. And what is Mike McCarthy doing? Rolling the sidelines? CEO of just calling dumb timeouts? Bad game management? Like, mismanaging the clock? Yeah, like, this is a football game. And I think the 49ers, like, Dak is better than Jimmy G. But is it really by that much? Like, like, is it really by that much? I, I don't think it is. And as long as the 49ers could just block the Cowboys a little bit with hopefully Trent Williams, I do think they're going to win this football game. Okay, fair enough. I think the 49ers, like Rose stated, was the worst-case scenario for the Cowboys. Um, playoff scenario-wise, it was something the Cowboys did not want to see in the first round because I've been saying it all season. Uh, I think Lil and Zach agreed that the 49ers roster from the beginning of the season were probably one of the most talented rosters in the NFL and they just need to get it together for whatever reason this season they had so many so much inconsistencies on both offense and defense it was kind of baffling it was something very un San Fran like I just didn't they couldn't put my finger on it but right now they're playing solid football and I think the Cowboys seeing the 49ers right now when they just came back from a 17-0 deficit to win the game to get themselves into this position is something is um that's only going to light a fuse in that locker room, and I think the Cowboys right now have um uh, instances. I won't say it's consistent, but they have instances where they're stagnant on offense and they are moving the ball, and then they have three and outs, and that's something the 49ers definitely um take advantage of, and they definitely expose G teams that do that often. And I think that's going to be the biggest issue. And I think um, they're going to expose the Cowboys defense as well. And I think the issue with that is because people going to this game are saying the Cowboys were, are an elite defense. They called them a top five defense at one point in the season. And I just baffled at the fact that they said that because teams expose the Cowboys. And that's one thing that we might see in this playoff that people are going to see if this 49ers team gets rolling early on. Debo is a, is a weapon on the field that I don't know that the Cowboys can control. He could run the ball, he could catch the ball, he could put him anywhere on the field, and I believe he his numbers. Yeah, yeah, he could throw <laughs> he it might, too. That's a good point. He might be the best receiver in the league right now, bro. He might be, he might be the best yeah. player. You could definitely make an argument. He might be the best player on the field going into that game. You know, I think that, that mm. might be the issue, and I don't know if the Cowboys have an answer for him. And I think they're going to solely focus so much energy towards Debo Samuel, they're going to forget about everyone else on the field. They're going to forget about Kittle, who might go off for 200 receiving yards. It, it's getting to the point, it's going to get to that point in the season that we're going to see Jimmy G type of football, and that's win the game. You know, and that's one thing in his entire career Jimmy G has been doing is winning the game. This season has been a little bit different. He's been a little bit unorthodox, but I know in the playoffs, all he needs is four great games. Four great games to win the Super Bowl. So that's something that um we might see 49ers. I have the 49ers winning 28-21. I think the Cowboys are going to um get hot early. They might score 14 in the first half, but I think after that, it's going to be a very slow-paced game for the Cowboys, and then they're going to be very stagnant in that second half of football where the 49ers are going to thrive. So give me the 49ers to win this game. One more stat, too. Look at the Cowboys' schedule. Give me one team good that they beat this year. Mm, it was the Patriots fair. when that's they fair. weren't even playing their best football. Like before, uh, no, no, yeah, that's that's fair. Well, all, 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 I'll, all I'll say is this: 
Please, 49ers, please shut me up and prove me wrong. I would love nothing more than the Cowboys to fail, but I don't know. Just something tells me that their offense is just going to be too much for that Niners defense. That's why I have them winning this game. But I would love nothing more to be proven wrong by the 49ers. I would absolutely love it. The 49ers looked out for me. Oh, my Buccaneers <laughs> to give me my Buccaneers a two yeah. seed. I'm pretty sure they look out for you too. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I got you. I got you. About this 49er Ram game from last week, I'll make a last second uh, comment on is like the Rams, like they got lucky the Cardinals lost to the Seahawks because yeah, uh, yeah. no, absolutely. Yeah, Cardinals literally, if the Cardinals won that game and the Cardinals won the division, we'd be having a whole different conversation. Yeah. Yeah, but um, look, man, like what the 49ers were able to do, like in that game against the Rams, like I'm not gonna lie, that was some special stuff. Like that, that, that oh, was a, that was some a win down 17 nothing with all of their fans taking over that stadium. By the way, this is another point. Like I don't know if either of you guys uh, thought about this at any time, but I think if you're Roger Goodell and you're the NFL, you have to love so far how the moves to LA and Vegas have worked because mm. watching those games the other night. Those stadiums look sick. Um, oh, no, no. they're, they're and, definitely and seeing, on my bucket list. Yeah, and seeing the 49er fans just take over SoFi Stadium. Because the thing about SoFi Stadium is, like, it looks like a dome, but there's, like, air coming out. There, it's, like, open on the sides. Vegas is just a dome, but both uh, places look like unreal spots. It's a work of art, man. It's a work yeah. of art. And I just want to touch so far, bro. I just want to just, just touch it, bro. Can I just touch it, bro? Like, it's just, like come on, bro. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, those stadiums looked uh, pretty badass uh, on TV watching Definitely. those big games. So, good move uh, by the NFL on that part. Uh, a couple other playoff games to end the show. Uh, the Steelers, the sixth seed in the AFC, they're heading to Kansas City to Oy. take on the Chiefs. Uh, Zay, I'll throw it over to you to start this off, man. Give me your predictions on this game and what. Hey, man, the Chiefs look terrible early in the season when we talk about their defense. Oh, my lordy. Yeah. It was bad. It looked like the little giants in the beginning of the movie. That, that, that defense was terrible. I don't know what happened. I don't know. Z- they- Zay, we were talking about them missing the playoffs at one point. They were so bad. Oh, 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 no. You did real. Lil was talking about how bad Mahomes was. <laughs> Mahomes was the body. He was the quarterback. Yeah. Listen, we, we, we've talked about it all with this Chiefs team, and um, they turned it around dramatically. This defense has really turned the, the, um, the stone literally. They turned everything around. This defense has been playing inspiring football the last couple of weeks. I think going into this game, they're going to be even playing more inspiring, playing uh, past prime, past able to even play. Ben Roethlisberger, and I think that's going to be something that she's uh, going to kind of take advantage of, and they're going to um, just beat up that, that Steelers offense. I think this game is going to be predicated off of the Steelers not being able to get past the 50-yard line because of how aggressive this Chiefs defense is going to play, and I think Patty Mahomes and them are just going to run the score up. Uh, you know, the Steelers, I, I feel like if they had a better opportunity with Ben Roethlisberger, like he was at least, at least, uh, at least, I don't know, an average quarterback, they do have a chance. It's just that he's been playing some uninspiring football. He just doesn't look like he's in it. And, um, you know, it just kind of seems like after that last game, it was a swan song. Like, oh, yeah, my season's over. But it's like, damn, I got another game. I got to play a wild card. <laughs> like, that's not where I see it. But uh, I got the Chiefs winning this game. Give me give me the score 30-14. Uh, I think, the, you know, the Steelers have off, um, weapons on offense, and they have weapons on defense, of course. But um, it's just a, like Roethlisberger, the quarterback, he has to kind of show up. And I think that's the biggest thing. And I, he looks like Philip Rivers out there. And I don't know if I got faith in that right Ooh. now. 
Yeah, I'll say this about Big Ben. Like, I really respect him. I, I, I disagree with the point that he's playing uninspired football. Like, he looked pretty inspired to me making clutch throw after clutch throw on he Sunday. Did. But I do agree, like, at this point in his career, he, he was one of the not – I would say probably one of the five to ten worst quarterbacks in the NFL this season that started yeah. on a consistent basis. But once again, on Sunday, man, that was inspiring stuff. Like watching him single handedly just will the Steelers to the playoffs with so many clutch throws, that was unreal. You could really tell that he wasn't going to be uh, denied. But here's the problem like the Steelers can't score. Like to beat the Chiefs, no matter how good your defense is, like you just need to be able to score points. And I just feel like every time I'm watching the Steelers, it seems like they have 10 points in the fourth quarter. Like, they, they just won a 16-13 to 13 game over the Ravens. And earlier this season, when these two teams played, like, there's a reason why Kansas City just beat up on the Steelers and Travis Kelsey wasn't even in there. It's because these two offenses, they're just not in the same universe. Like, I think it's kind of a week for Kansas City to get some momentum back, get some mojo back for the next two rounds, because when you have... Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, like, every year, your goal is to win the AFC and take your best shot in the Super Bowl. So, I'll take Kansas City to win this game. I, I do respect Pittsburgh. I respect Big Ben. Uh, Pittsburgh, de uh, their defense can make some plays, but I just have a tough time seeing Pittsburgh being able to score enough to win this one. This is, uh, this is honestly a tough one for me, man, because, look, Ben Roethlisberger, look, we all know all signs are pointing to that this is it for him after this season. He's got to retire, and he, he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. There's no question about it. But this year, he was just he, – he's, he's, he's a shell of himself, to put it nicely, in a way. But, listen, the Chiefs, again, I'll say it again. We were talking about them missing the playoffs because they were so bad. Patrick Mahomes did not look like himself. That defense was absolute God, I mean, that's the worst I've seen the Chiefs defense play in quite some time. And that's a big understatement. But even still, I think this is actually going to be a very intriguing game. And uh, I can't believe I'm about to say this, but uh, I think the Steelers are going to win this game. I, I actually I actually think they're going to pull it out. Not because of Big Ben. Not because of Big Ben. I think that defense is going to be too much for that Kansas City offense. I can't believe I'm saying that. Call me blasphemous. I don't care. I know I'm crazy, but I'm going out on a limb here. The Pittsburgh Steelers are going to go into Arrowhead and win on a last-second field goal, 27-24. to 24. You can book it. If I'm wrong, I'll say I'm wrong. But even still, I trust the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think they have some type of mojo going after that win against the Ravens. And they're not going to win because of Big Ben. Again, they're winning because of that defense led by T.J. freaking Watt. The Steelers are going to pull off the upset and beat the Kansas City Chiefs 27-24. to I'll just pull up a quote from uh, Mr. Big Ben here. He said in the press okay. conference this week, we're probably only supposed to be here. We don't have a chance. Let's go out and have fun. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it seemed like he's ready to get his retirement on. Just by that statement alone, I'm going with the Chiefs to win this game 31-17. If you're uninspired and you're saying you don't have a chance to, in the world to win this game, why the hell are you playing? Um, yeah, I like the Chiefs to win this game. They're more talented, clearly more talented. Um, Najee Harris, I mean, that's basically what this offense revolves around. Like, literally, it's two teams that use their running backs the most in the league, which is um, the Steelers and somebody else. Well, I, don't remember the, I don't remember that second team, but I know the Steelers is right up there in that category, and that's not good right now because the offensive line is not great and one thing that we have to be careful with when it comes to a talent like Najee Harris is not running him into the ground we already mm -hmm. know 
running backs and career expectancies. Right? They don't last long. You don't have no offensive line. You're giving the ball to him on every play. You're going to run him into the ground. You're going to have to fix that next year when Big Ben leaves and figure out how you're going to go and get him some more help. But um, for this game, there's nobody you can call for help. I like the Chiefs to win this game because they're just more talented. Um, I still stand by the defense is overrated. Um, they, they got some mojo back, but then once again, Justin Herbert torched them up. Joe Ball torched them up. Drew Locke torched them up on the ground. Um, I think when they play a real good quarterback, they'll see um, some of those same things happen. But Big Ben is not that quarterback at this stage in his career. I like the Chiefs 31-17. to 17. All right, the last and final playoff game will be going over the Arizona Cardinals. They're the five seed in the NFC. They will be taking part in a divisional playoff matchup with the Los Angeles Rams, the 4-5 game at SoFi Stadium. So, uh, James, I'll throw it over to you to start this one off. Who do you like and why? I really don't know, to be honest with you, Zach, because th- this is this is one of those matchups where I'm, I'm kind of scratching my head because on one hand, you look at the Rams, right? They brought in Matthew Stafford, who I thought was going to be one of the reasons why they were going to turn it around. Because I thought Matthew Stafford needed a better environment around him. It's not his fault that he was on bad Lions teams, okay? I've always thought Matthew Stafford was an underrated quarterback, even with his years in the Lions. But again, he was on some bad teams, and nobody wanted to talk about that. But I digress there. But here's the thing. He did play great throughout the majority of the season. But over the past few weeks, not so much. I mean, this man's had multiple turnovers in the past few games. And to me, that is a little bit concerning. And then when you look at the Cardinals, same thing with Kyler Murray. Yes, he does have his turnover problems, but the one thing that he can do is run. That running attack that Kyler Murray has, I mean, that's that's really something to behold. He's a heck of an athlete. And look, losing D-Hop hurts on offense it really really does but at the end of the day i really don't know how but i think the rams are going to pull it out i think they're going to rebound i think matthew stafford's going to have a bounce back game and the rams are going to pull it out and beat the cardinals by a final of 17 to 10. yeah um, uh yeah i think this is going to be a very interesting game a couple of thoughts I'll say quickly. Um, so Cliff Kingsbury, his uh, contract is going to be up after next season, and he was quote-unquote involved with the Oklahoma job, but like he was just trying to get an extension from the Arizona Cardinals. I would probably... I think Zach, yeah. Fire yeah, Cliff Kingsbury, five. if average, though. Who is he hiring Oh, go ahead. Then I'll, I'll fix it. My, my no, no, I think you're back on. Give me one minute. Go ahead. I'll be back. Yeah, Zach is having technical difficulties. I'll say this. I think there's going to be another 50-50 game. This is probably the second game that I'm looking forward to the most because, listen, they played two times. One team won one. The other team won the other. Four different matchups in both of those games. In yeah. the first matchup, with the Rams and the Cardinals, you saw Kyler Murray take over that game in round one, right? With his legs getting out of the box and getting first downs, he gave that defensive line issues and fits in that first meeting. But in the second meeting, you saw the defensive line give him fits at the line of scrimmage, batting nine passes, had a couple interceptions in the red zone that was because of tip drills, and they were able to take over that game from that D line. So now in round three, what are we going to see? Kyler Murray's theatrics and heroics like we did in round one 
or the defensive line taking over this game like they did in round two. And if I had to predict what I think, it's going to be tough. Um, both quarterbacks don't have playoff experience other than Matthew Stafford, which he left yeah. with a 0-3 record. Long story short, as we head up for time, I like the Cardinals to win this game 31-24 because I think Matthew mm-hmm. Stafford turning the ball over at a high alarming rate will cost more possessions for the Cardinals, and the Cardinals need to know not to beat themselves. All that false starts and all those penalties that y'all was putting up in the regular season that cost y'all games, I never really thought the Cardinals lost the game outright. I think the Cardinals games that they lost was the Cardinals losing it. And I think if they make sure that they play sound football and game management is on point, they win this game. They're the better team. Take the Cardinals, 31-24. to 24. All right. Uh, what I was going to say was I think the Cardinals do have a chance to win this game, right? The Rams are pretty flawed. Like, may, like many people thought they were a powerhouse, but since Robert Woods has gotten hurt, they just haven't really been the same team. Yeah. So if the Rams still, like, beat the Cardinals up pretty well, which not good. I lie, like I still think that's gonna happen. I don't trust Matthew Stafford really either, and um, I just think if Cliff Kingsbury is your coach, like your team has a limit. So I will be taking uh, the Rams. More of an anti-Cardinal take, not gonna lie. All right, man. I, I've been trying. I've been backing Matt Stafford the whole season. I'm gonna back him right now. I think this is the biggest game in his career against the Cardinals team, who he definitely was uh he lost i think the undefeated streak uh, the undefeated streak during the season was against the cardinals if i'm not mistaken yeah. correct mm-hmm. so i think yes. this is a game that he needs the most and i think there's a game that he needs to prove that he's that quarterback he's a guy that he proclaimed himself to be and the guy that um the rams traded for you know and this is this is something this is something that um you have to really prove yourself they went to the super bowl with jerry golf you gotta show that you could at least get to uh, at least the nfc championship bare minimal so I think this is a game that he needs to be electrifying on offense. And I think, um, in my opinion, the Cardinals have been uh, losing games. They, they've been losing themselves out of the games for the last couple of weeks. So I think the, give me the Rams to win uh, 35-28. Mm, interesting just, score. I like it. I just end here because we the show is pretty much over. It's a wrap. But that Cardinals went up with the Cowboys was very crucial for the Cardinals' mm-hmm. confidence. They would have yeah, lost that no, game you're right. in Seattle. Going into this matchup, it would have been a wrap. So um, we'll see what happens. It's going to be a close game. I'm looking forward to it. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, with, with Seattle, man, like, I, I think the Cardinals have to be pretty disappointed. Like, they should have a home playoff game right now. They, they blew an opportunity, a, a golden opportunity with the 49ers uh, beating the Rams. So, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I, I don't trust either team. I don't, I don't trust either quarterback. So we'll see how it goes. Another episode of In the Huddle, in the books, Will, Zay, James, appreciate you guys joining us here today in the Huddle, Can You Dig Sports Radio. Yes, sir. Playoffs, baby. Woo! The Can You Dig It Sports Radio Network is here. Revolutionize the game of media. Be a dig, dig.